0: on the stories of the supernatural. I hope you enjoy the show and I think you are all wonderful. Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles. How is everybody doing today? Good, I hope. I'm doing good because today is Friday, you know, so it's good here and I'm sure I've got to put my commentary on about South Florida weather. Yes, yeah, still hot, hot, very humid a lot of thunderstorms but that's that's florida for you as long as we don't got no hurricanes churning off the coast marlene is a happy girl but anyway today let me tell you about the super exciting guest that i have today which i know you guys are gonna love it okay who i have here today is reverend sean whittington now he is an exorcism he's a deliverance minister and he he's a he's a devout Catholic. He was ordained and trained as a registered exorcist. Um, and his wife Sharon, uh, who is who had a near death experience an NDE, uh, she helps him out. She he, they work together, and uh, they she she has she's uh, also a sensitive. And of course, anybody that's worked in the paranormal field understands how somebody. That's an intuitive, a sensitive, how helpful, how sometimes in my opinion, how necessary they are. Uh, both of them, not surprisingly, have suffered and survived severe demonic attacks. Uh, and they, between both of them, this husband and wife team, they have over 40 years of combined experience. Um, and they're equipped. They can perform the your regular paranormal investigation. And the good thing about this, and we've spoken about this in, in other shows where some paranormal teens if they go in there and they find something that is really dark malevolent or the d word, demonic they got to refer it out because they they're not handled they can't handle that they're not equipped to handle it but guess what sean and his wife can handle it uh, as a matter of fact their their website address which will be on the credits of the show is goes ghostbegone.biz and we'll we'll go into that at the end of the show but anyway let me get sean on and this is going to be a great interview how are you doing today, Sean?
1: Marlene, I'm so excited to be with you. You've you've made my day. I was looking forward to this. <laughs> and uh, I made no plans today so I could just relax yes. with you and yeah.
0: and I'm all yours for as long as you need me. I love it. And I, I'm gonna tell you know, guys, me and Sean before we started rolling, he goes we were talking about how long we we're gonna have this show for and he goes, Well, what do you want? You want the abridged or the and I said, the full <laughs> Monty. So <laughs> we're gonna take this as long as it goes. You know, because I know you guys out there, you like to hear these stories because, and we've spoken about this, Sean, at other times, which is, you know, there's a lot of these shows out there, but sometimes they kind of rehash the same stories over and over again. And, it, and when you speak to these individual persons or teams or, um, you know, people that deal with exorcisms, you hear the real, real stories about investigations and what you find. And how they were handled, or in some cases, what happens to people that get involved with this, contrary to what you sometimes see on the shows that everybody walks away and it's over, it's a done deal, and sometimes that's not the case. But I'm going to ask you anyway, Sean, what I ask all okay. my guests is obviously now you are fully invested in the paranormal field, but did you ever have an experience as a child?
1: Well, I. I'm, you know, I can't really give you the abridged version on this. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna lay it on you. I was actually born, uh, created in my mother's womb to do what I'm doing today. So uh, at birth, my uh, paranormal experiences started and um, and I'm pushing 60 now. So that's a long, long long time. Yeah, yeah.
0: And when you say, okay, what happened i mean i'm did 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 something happen around the time of your birth or shortly thereafter well, that what happened my father uh, my mother and father are both in
1: heaven now um, okay. may they rest in peace but my father is a was a 25 year retired master chief radio man and communications expert uh, in the united states navy okay um, he served in both world war 2 and korea Purple Heart recipient, finished his uh, career out in naval intelligence, and my mother, he he was American, Um, my mother was Brazilian, is Brazilian, Mm -hmm. and they met after the war, well actually, yeah, I would say after World War II, probably during the Korean War, they met while he was stationed in Brazil, fell in love, got married, had my two older sisters, Then he got stationed back to the States well Turning the clock back many many years before that when he was uh, a much younger man And he'd only been in the Navy for you know a number of years He was in the Philippines when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor so uh, They knew that the Japanese were headed to the Philippines next so all naval personnel were ordered to evacuate the islands Unfortunately, there were so many injured and wounded there because there was heavy fighting going on in that part of the world. Right. You couldn't get aboard a ship and leave unless you could walk under your own power. If you were on a stretcher or in a wheelchair or buddies had to pick you up and carry you, they had to leave you there. So it was very heartbreaking. My father left many
0: uh, close friends behind. Wow. I can imagine. That must have been a tough thing.
1: Oh, yeah, it was, and, and, and I can, you know, I'm very sensitive, uh, too, and I can feel my father's spirit here, and it's very emotional to even bring this stuff up, but he, um, he got on his ship, and several hours out uh, into open water, they engaged the enemy, and his ship was sunk. He was one of the last men to go in the water, and he was sending out the SOS signal and their location out of the radio shack, and we learned many, many years later that they would not have been rescued had he not done that. But he went into the water probably early afternoon that day and floated around hanging onto a, a piece of gangplank the rest of that day all night long till the morning of the following day and you can imagine bobbing up and down in that water there's gas and oil and God knows what else floating in that water you accidentally ingest some of that stuff so he's violently ill by the time morning comes and they have no idea that rescue is coming because all naval personnel ships in the area were told not to go back there's too much enemy so One very brave captain by the name of Captain Abernathy, and uh, God forgive me for not remembering the name of his ship, he ignored orders, and he turned his ship around and went back for survivors. So my dad remembers clearly, up to the day that he died, he told this story every day, I think. He... You know there was a big fog over the water and he could hear engines of a ship coming and they actually thought it was a japanese ship so they figured this is it they're gonna just you know they're gonna kill us now anybody they see floating in the water but as the fog cleared he saw it was a naval vessel so now it's a mad dash anybody that has strength to swim to the ship is headed for the ship and they've got ropes in the water and throwing out life preservers and those rope ladders and so forth. But my father's too ill to get to the ship. He's dog paddling as hard as he can with his feet and one arm while hanging on to this piece of wood. And he just, he can't make it there, but he's, he's almost there, but he, he knows he's not going to make it. And he hears over the loudspeakers, uh, prepare to get underway. And he actually remembers hearing the engine start up oh my God. and um, he looks in the water and he sees a piece of rope floating there. And he just says, well, they're going to drag me back dead, but they're not going to leave me here. And he begins to wrap this rope in between his legs, around his waist, around his torso, under his arms, the, all around him. And just, he can actually feel the ship start to get underway and the rope the tension on the rope start to pull him through the water and he hears a voice say there's one more over the side and he looked up and a very large muscular sailor jumped over the side of the ship oh and while hanging on with one arm reached into the water grabbed my father by the scruff of his neck lifted him out and threw him onto the deck of the ship well my father where he hit he passed out and he was actually unconscious for probably 48 hours when he came to there were corpsmen working on him and there was a little makeshift tent over him but when he was able to get to his feet he scoured that whole ship talking to everybody wanting to find this sailor that saved his life okay not only could he not find this sailor but he couldn't find anybody that even could come forward and say, you know, that description doesn't even fit anybody on this ship. And nobody could even remember seeing the incident. It was like one second my father was there, they said, and the next second he was on the deck. So my father came from a long line of warriors for Christ dating way back to um, England. So we know that it was his guardian angel. And he told that story every day of his whole life, and this is a very credible man, he told this story to naval people all the time, and and chaplains, and people that would come to him wanting advice uh, to strengthen their faith, what have mm-hmm. you, but he spent his whole life knowing, and we all knew too, that absolutely there was
0: extreme divine intervention on that day. And you know what, <clears throat> and this is, to me, that you know, besides the validity, it's like, when this happened to your father he wasn't thinking initially this was divine intervention he really thought that this was a sailor who had helped him on board and he was going around looking for this human savior in other words yeah he never imagined that he was going to get that answer of like there's nobody that fits that description on board
1: absolutely absolutely very yeah i think it my father was already you know um um very religious person, but, you know, that's, that's, I can imagine that was life changing. And, you know, I remember, you know, as far back as, uh, as I can remember him telling that story all the way up to shortly before he passed, still telling that story. And, um, and, um, so anyway, he, he meets my mother in Brazil many, many, many years later. Now she, (laughs) she is, uh, uh, you know, you hear people say all the time, you can't be religious and spiritual. Well, my mom is as much one of the other, and she's here with me right now all the time in visitation, hanging okay. out, helping guide me, talking to me through a lot of things, but she comes from a little village in the north of Bahia, uh, okay. the north of Brazil called uh, Cruz de Almas, and that means, uh, uh, I believe it means, uh-huh. oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be wrong here. I think it's Soul of Crosses, I believe. And at one time, that village held like the Guinness Book of World Records for having the most churches in an area. But there's no veil there. I'm the only one in the family who's never been back there, and my older sisters say there's no veil there. The dead just walk uh, amongst the living as though they're still alive, and it's accepted back and forth. Um, Not a big deal. So my mother... That that's her background, but she's extremely devout Catholic also. Mm-hmm. So they're they're living in uh, Northern California now, many years after my father's original uh, situation, and he's out at sea. And my mom's waiting for him to come back. She's due. He's due to come back. He's been gone for months. She gets a phone call from the base hospital, and it's the doctor says, "Well, your father was." Overseas, He contracted uh, cephalitis and spinal meningitis, among a couple of other things. And um, I'm not that hip on how where the medical field is now with that, but whatever he had at the time was a death sentence. Yeah, they I was about to say part. that. Those very yeah.
0: serious diagnoses.
1: So they said he's
0: in and out of
1: consciousness, and when he's out of his coma, he's like a madman so we have him strapped to a bed he's probably going to be dead by morning if you want to see him alive again you need to come here now my mom you know barely speaks any english she's got my two older sisters which are babies Mm -hmm. she's in a, a, a new country you can imagine how frightening that is yes so she gets i guess got a neighbor to watch my sisters and got a cab And she's headed to the hospital, but she makes the cab driver stop at the church on the way there. And she goes in and she petitions to St. Jude to petition on my father's behalf to God to please spare his life. Now, my mom, um, the birth of my second oldest sister, Paula, was... A very difficult one and my sister and my mother almost didn't survive that pregnancy so she was advised never to have any children again that her and the baby probably wouldn't survive so the plans of having another child weren't gonna happen but she promised God if she if he spared my father's life that she would from that day forward whenever she went to church which was every week she would do it on her hands and knees. Wow. And I do remember, she until she was too old and physically unable to do it any longer, she did walk right up to the front door, took one step in, put her hand in the font, blessed herself with the holy water, got on her hands and knees and crawled to the pew that she chose to sit in, crawl yeah. up to get communion, crawl back to her pew, and crawl out. As a kid, you know, I'm going to say I was probably a little freaked out, maybe even <laughs> embarrassed to be yeah, there yeah. with my mom doing that. But, you know, I look mm. back now and I wish I could see it today, you know.
0: Exactly. But- it's, it, it, because when you're a kid, you don't understand the significance of somebody. And you know what? This is um, people sometimes the vows that they made like that were very important. Yeah. Very, very important. But she also promised
1: that she would have another child. So she got to the hospital. My dad, you know, he's dying. Mm -hmm. And she just falls asleep at his bedside, kind of holding on to him. She she wakes up in the morning, and he's just staring at her. And he says, Edith, what am I doing strapped to this hospital bed? And uh, she screams for the doctor. They come in there, they run all these tests on him. They can't find any trace of any of the diseases in his body at all. Wow. So my mom kept her promise. She did that, and she had another child, which was da da. Yours truly. <laughs> so my mom teased me all my life growing up that I was her miracle baby, and that was a little yeah. embarrassing. Yeah,
0: yeah. But That's um,
1: right. uh, I, I got the talk from her when I was ten years old that you're going to see a lot of dead people in your life. How she knew this, I didn't know. And it freaked me out. But she said, "You're going to see a lot of dead people in your life. Don't be afraid." they just are people like you that don't have a body anymore and if they show themselves to you it's because they need something you ask them what they need and if you can help them and if you can help them great if you can't tell them you can't but you'll pray for them
0: and they'll leave you alone
1: um and i think maybe a week after that i had my first real strong paranormal experience um at my sister's house, of all places, they were hippies, <laughs> hardcore hippies. Um, I mean, hardcore hippies, and they were renting a uh, uh, an old home that looked like that home in the burbs, in a kind of a new neighborhood. But they had the old home that they didn't tear down yet. That was cheap rent. And uh-huh. I spent the night there one night and had an experience with a spirit. So my ghost busting
0: career was off and running. Wow. And what what happened? What did you see, or what did you experience? Well, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't warn me, and
1: uh, there's a lot of hippies in that house that night. My parents went out for the night, I think, and they were babysitting me, and so I'm a little out of place. I'm this kid, little kid, in a home full of hippies that are partying and having a good time. And but it's all love, and you know how hippies are. It was all love. I wasn't scared of anything. Everybody loved me. Um, girls braiding my hair, and you know, uh, guys telling me what life's going to be about. You know, just yeah. cool people. But uh, I'm sleeping in a sleeping bag in the living room, and middle of the night, there's just a fire going. There's no other lights on. There's a fire. And one of my sister's friends comes walking down the stairs, and when she hits the bottom of the stairs, you know how hippie girls dance kind of, if you ever go to the Renaissance fairs and stuff, you know, she's dancing across the living room, and she gets right up to me, and she's looking at me. And she's just dancing around me and while I'm laying in the sleeping bag looking up at her and i'm I'm really thinking to myself, you know even as a little kid, how pretty she was and and I really like her, and this is so cool. She reaches down uh, like to help me up, and when I touched her hand, um it was like I grabbed um, a, a big ice cube oh, and i I pulled my hand back and she pulled her hand back like Oh, I startled you she kind of like felt bad it looked like on her face she continued to dance and she just vanished right into the fireplace Wow I launched out of that sleeping bag upstairs (laughs) screaming and my sisters are just like you right now cracking up at me because they know why Um, I slept with my sisters the rest of that night and the following morning they told me yeah we have a ghost here it's a girl but we don't know who she is or what she wants you know while they're giving me that talk I'm sitting on the end of a bed my sisters are talking to me I look over to my left that girl is standing in the hallway staring at me through the door and her lips never move, but I could totally hear her talking to me, telling me that she died of a drug overdose, and she want she knows she needs to go cross over, but she's afraid of judgment. But she knows her family's there, and I just basically agreed with her without even opening my mouth. I'm, I'm sending my thoughts to her, not really knowing I'm doing that. But she, the look on her face was she was understanding what I'm, what my thought pattern was, and what I'm saying to her. And she just agreed to me. That's what she needed to do. And she looked to her left, and her head kind of looked up like she was looking at the ceiling. And I could totally tell, um, the demeanor on her face changed. And she just walked and disappeared right into a closet. Wow. And they never, they never saw her again at that house.
0: There you
1: go. So um, I felt really, really good about that. And uh, and my sisters kind of, I think my sisters knew that maybe that was going to happen because they're both both my sisters are just like my mom very spiritual devout catholics both extremely sensitive um my mom visits them all the time they call me give me messages through my mom i said why didn't you just come and tell me and so you don't i don't know how that whole thing works but uh (laughs) You know, they, she do, she appeared to one of my sisters holding these white beads in her hands and she kept sticking them in my sister's face and my sister's like, Mom, I don't know what these white beads are. What are these white beads? And she keeps holding these, won't talk to her, but keeps shuffling these white beads in her hands. Well, the whole family got together and had a meeting because we want my parents to rest in peace. Right. They're a little concerned. It dawned on us that she's, they're telling me and rightfully so. Uh, I was about to work a really ugly um, case and my mom
0: was trying to get the message that I need to pray the rosary more. I was about to say rose that's the first thing that came to my mind was a rosary. Oh
1: my gosh you're sensitive too.
0: (laughs) Well no no you know because I was thinking you know since you're telling me she was such a devout Catholic I'm thinking man beads Catholic rosary and I was thinking one of two things either (laughs) somebody you know because you know some people people play the rosary sometimes for those that have passed away but now that you mentioned that you were going into a really rough case it was like yeah you need some extra protection and so you're i just want anybody listening to this your family's always with you
1: uh, just trust that and i did my wife actually the next day i had some time i didn't even know this case was coming to me yet my wife who's very sensitive uh purchased me the most beautiful rosary from the Vatican. It was made there. Uh, the beads are white and they're made out of the insides of a very rare shell that's found only off the coast of Italy. Okay. And after the, the rosary is made, it's a St. Benedict rosary. Uh, the, the Pope touches, blesses, and prays over it. So um, that arrived about a week before I got this call for this case. And it just like dominoes, everything fell into place and I just knew um, that's obviously the message I was, we were supposed to get because nobody saw, well, we still see my mom, but nobody heard from her again with the beads in the face right. after we did that. So if you're visited by your loved ones, there's a reason and you need to really, uh, you really need to to just relax and try to think of what the message is if you don't understand, you know?
0: Yeah. But you know what, one thing, Sean, and, and sometimes and I've noticed, you know, and I know that sometimes when people are grieving, it's like what I tell them is like, you know, usually our families, you know, when they pass away and they go on, they, some people want to hang on to them sometimes. And it's like, like you said, your mom makes an appearance whenever she wants to, you know, and like, but you're not there always waiting. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes people get caught up in wanting to like check with their loved ones or especially like parent figures like if they were still alive, you know how you might Absolutely. go to your parent and, and it's like, you can't do that because now they're, they're not, you know, they're not part of the living anymore. If they right. come and visit you, that's good. That's okay. Or like what she did, which she was trying to get this message to you, but, and maybe you feel her presence, but it's not like, oh, you know, I need my mom to give me a heads up about my, you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes people, people are too much. Yeah,
1: going to psychics all the time. And, you know, it becomes almost like a a, a form of conjuring. And then Mm -hmm. I don't think your loved ones can rest in peace because you're always bugging them. Um, So I absolutely agree with you that it can get out of hand sometimes also. Yeah, you know, and it's
0: at the end of the day, you know, that's part of being alive is that you got to make decisions. Some of them are good and some of them are not, (laughs) you know, and you work it out. Um, you know what's funny though saying that about mediums
1: and I I do have some friends that I do believe um, are very gifted and I only met them because you know not too many people uh, and this was even before I started having uh, my radio show and in putting my story out there I would randomly get calls from hi this is so-and-so I'm a psychic medium and I think your dad just came to me true story And my dad came to, I'm trying to write my book now and I'm not a writer and it's, uh, it's very hard to try and get to to write. And so he actually went to a psychic saying, you know, quit procrastinating, start it. I'm going to be there and help you write it. And you know, what's funny? It is, it's totally like that. If I just relax and let it the vibes flow mm-hmm. and, and talk to my dad like he's here and say okay what's next you know it just comes to me and exactly. so um exactly. but don't conjure i don't i don't like to conjure them i would never do a uh, attend a seance and try to conjure them or just go to a psychic and say I you need know to- what
0: i can understand where sometimes when somebody's passed recently and you want to make sure they're okay you know some and that I can understand especially when the grief is fresh and everything that that part I can absolutely understand but as time goes by you know you got to do what the living do which is to live okay and sometimes people you know and like you said if they come and they visit you but they're not stuck here you understand what I'm saying that this is what yes. I tell people you know when you have passed away and you are in the presence of the divine you know, you're not attached to this earthly plane. The ego is gone. You might visit your loved ones and make sure and check on them or like what happened with your mom and your dad, but they're not stuck here all the time because they already did what they were supposed to do when they had a human yeah. body, you know? And sometimes people, like you said, they they don't let them rest in peace, in other words. They they kind of bind them because they're either over grieving too much or they want to, like, correspond with them, have a relationship with them, like if they were still alive. And it's like, yeah. You know, it doesn't work that way. Sometimes oh. you, people got to be a little bit careful with that when they do that, because especially let's, can you imagine a parent who sees a child grieving and almost they want to stay behind because they want to comfort them. But yeah. that's not really the best thing sometimes for somebody that's passed on. So some it's a, it's a difficult thing to do, but as time goes on, you know, that they come and check on you. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think also when... Our relatives have passed on, or our parents, and they're on the other side. and They've gone, like I said, to, to, to being with the divine. That they're okay. They, they kind of see around the curve, and they say, "You're gonna work it out. I know you're gonna be okay." You understand what I'm saying? Like they gotta let you do your thing and make decisions and things like that, without too much interference. In other words, absolutely. That's, that's really what you know what life is about, as far as when you have a human body. But anyway. Let's go back a little bit in the time machine and the hot tub time machine moment. And here you I are. I wish we could. You had this, 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 <laughs> the encounter with a groovy ghost girl. Okay. Yeah. Which that's a great story. I can't imagine. You must have said to your sister, I don't, I'm, the sleeping bag in the living room is not for me anymore. Oh well, I never went back
1: to their house, yeah. ago, even though I knew that I knew that the situation. You know why I didn't go back? It just dawned on me. I remember them saying, "And there's others here too." <laughs> oh, see.
0: so I just said, "You know, my work's done here. I'm good." Yeah, you it's know, like okay. I, yeah, so. So then, what happened? You, you did you have any more experiences as a teenager?
1: Um, well, you know, I'm a typical kid growing up. Um, I'm gonna toot my horn here a little bit. I always had a lot of friends. I was always really popular. You know, I was in drama class and I played sports and you know, I was a professional dancer for a while. And, but you know, I was never felt comfortable enough to share these types of things with people like I am now. It's like now I don't, you and I are meeting for the first time today, but I feel like I've known you forever because the people I hang out now, were we're all we're sort of kind of all cut from the same cloth in a way and there's a lot of people that since uh i really came out it's so funny to say came out of the closet and i'm talking about you know what i do now that have kind of don't really hang around much anymore they still love me and they still support me but i know a lot of friends that grew up with me I wasn't like this when I was younger. Well, they knew I was Catholic and I went to church with my mom and my family was, a, you know, a little different. But I didn't share uh, my passion of, you know, paranormal investigating and ghost busting and ghost hunting with a lot of them because I figured they would think I was a freak. Yes.
0: And uh, <laughs> just, you know, there goes all your friends. Yeah, and, yeah. One thing you know, is to go to church every Sunday, like you said, that's, that's okay. That's like normal. But when you start going in that, <laughs> it's like oh and what's yep. what's up with you yeah absolutely so
1: it was very it was shared very uh very seldomly but i grew up in southern california uh, in near like a canyon and there was always a lot of weird abandoned cabins and stuff out in the yeah. fields and up in the mountains and stuff and i would be the kid on the bike with the little uh cage on the handlebars, and I'd have like an old Polaroid camera in there, and um, an old, old tape recorder, like, you know, with the mic that you plug into it, and the big cassette tape, not even like a voiceover recorder, just like an old tape recorder you would steal from your dad's office or something, and I'd ride around, and I'd go explore these old places, not really knowing why just had a desire to do that. And I knew if I expressed that to anybody, they'd go, why? Let's go play football or let's go to the movies or let's go pick up on girls. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't understand. So it was shared. I kind of kept it to myself. But, you know, some people knew how to reach out to me if they had issues. So I would occasionally, uh, you know, I don't really – I'll be honest with you. I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> There's no experts. It's a good sign. You know, um, I don't know everything, especially when I was a little kid. If somebody said, I think I have a ghost in my house, I would just go to the house and sit there, and I'd figure <laughs> it's going to show itself to me, or okay. it's not, or right, I'll exactly. feel it or I won't.
0: And that's um, the thing. It's like, I love it. See?
1: So that... You know, it was just growing up was just kind of, I had a great childhood. Don't get me wrong, but it was that it was odd to try and integrate that part of of it into just being a normal kid.
0: Well, you know what? And especially as a teenager, come on, let's face it. All teenagers, your everything is about. You don't want to be the odd man out, and right. you instinctively know. You know what? If I get too weird, I'm gonna lose <laughs> my friends, or they're gonna yeah. distance themselves, and I'm gonna get that reputation as a really, really, really weird guy or Absolutely. girl, depending. Yep. So you kind of tamp down on it because you're thinking, you know what, I know that the limits of what they're going to believe or that they're going to, I'm going to get a reputation. So yeah, of course, when you're a teenager, you know, like that moment in life is like the moment that will last forever. So yeah, I hear about that a lot of times of teenagers saying, you know what, I, I, I had experiences or I was sensitive or, but I kept it under wraps because I didn't want to lose my friends.
1: Absolutely. Yep
0: and um so and this is the this is this is the part that i think is really interesting because there's people that have experiences or interest in the paranormal and ghosts childhood into to teenage years but then as they become adults it kind of fades off and they have these fond memories but they don't carry that interest into adulthood what happened with you i don't you know well the passion never left
1: Mhm. And um so as time went on uh, and I got a little older a little more mature well I've ex- I I just kept having one paranormal experience after another it didn't matter what I did if I was in school you know I, I would see ghosts um when I was a dancer I remember when I was starting to get too old and my body was breaking down. I couldn't do it any longer. I went to work for a producer for a while who on the, he had a very popular show at the time that he was producing and directing, but on the side he had a pair um, a private investigative team and they would go on the streets of Hollywood looking for the runaways of the rich and famous and he asked me to do that because you know i had a mohawk at the time and i even had a lot of tattoos then and i was a pretty well-known street dancer so he figured and i'll be honest about this too i was a drug addict so uh, he figured what better person to go down there amongst these people but you and you'll know who you're looking for and i just need you to track these people down and if you find them here's the call for for an extraction group. Okay. And, you know, so even doing that, um, I would see some crazy things. I bet. So I just saw crazy things all the time. So it didn't really give me, it didn't really allow me to to take a break from it. Uh, okay. Next thing I would, I could be at home, you know, waiting for the my pizza to get done in the oven and I wanna pop in a VHS and watch a movie and then watch a ghost walk through my living room and go, "Wow, what's that about?" Okay, so
0: they were seeking um, you out,
1: in other words. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. So I never really—I just carried that on um, into adulthood, and then I—I I, I met, fell in love with, and married my wife. Uh, our 16th wedding anniversary is coming up next month. Congratulations. She's a. I'm going to say three-time near-death experience survivor and extremely... Sensitive intuitive I refer to her as my human dowsing rods and it's just my wife and I we don't show up at these cases with two big black vans <laughs> you of know? Of so that everybody on the block you
0: know what I mean right oh yeah
1: well they ask us they say we want you to come over but yes. who's all coming is it just my wife and I yes. um do you have is there's are there signs all over your car yes, yes but we'll take them all off mm-hmm. um um but she she, when we met we were both set up on a blind date but didn't know it neither one of us knew we were set up to meet one another um and we just hit it off and we had this same passion for the paranormal so we started ghostbegone.biz and started working cases then and uh so it felt like i never really had a break from it
0: yeah so you evolved with it now this is a good part there's a and I mentioned that at the beginning. You can be a paranormal investigator, but there's i want to say the majority of teams if they get involved in a case where they realize that there is something quite dark and malevolent that's affecting a the family, they need to they back out it's, and by the way, that's the right thing to do if you don't know what you're doing right, but they can't handle it bottom line they can't handle it, and they have to hand that off to somebody who does what happened how did you get from there from a paranormal investigation to handling uh demonic cases uh
1: because we were stupid um we you know we both had a passion for the paranormal which i think is what ultimately pulled us through and saved us um let me say the majority of my clients god bless them believe it or not, are ghost hunters that have been at the wrong place at the wrong time, did the wrong thing, got an attachment, they don't know how to deal with it. Uh Um, And what I've noticed, the ones that I'm able to really help are the ones that really had a passion for it and didn't just jump on the bandwagon thinking it was a cool thing to do, but really don't know what they're doing. And they figure, you know, if I'm not on a TV show in five years, then I'll become a model or I'll go into Uh, dealing CD uh. oil or something. Um, But yeah, most of my, a lot of my clients are ghost hunters and, um, we actually went to work a case and my wife and I are, are guilty of the same thing. we, we would just go to places that were reputedly haunted, mm-hmm. and we would investigate them. And we would go to different cities and take the haunted tours and stuff. Right. But uh, we worked this one case where we used a Ouija board and did a seance. Okay. And uh, I, you know, I'm can I can I tell you honestly if that's why what happened to us happened? No, but I do believe that the Ouija board opened a door that we weren't, uh, ready for at okay. that time okay. and escalated, let's say escalated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we went to work this case. A girl was, we were scared going in because this first time somebody ever called us and said, I'm being raped in the middle of the night while wow. I sleep next to my husband and my husband has witnessed it too. And when he tries to jump in, he gets attacked and now the attacks have gone from the bed to the shower or if I'm in the kitchen cooking. So um, <clears throat> we were nervous going in. And a lot of crazy things did happen while we were there. But we were having a seance. Okay. And I just got a feeling that it was, you know, wrap it up here. It's time to go. It's about, it's always 3 in the morning, isn't it? We're driving home. It's about 3 in the morning. Uh-huh. And my wife gets a phone call on her cell. And there's no number on the caller ID. Well, my stupid self says, "Honey, just answer it." She answered it. There's nobody there. She hangs up. That night, I mean, I'm in bed an hour later because we're home 20 minutes later. I'm in bed. I'm about an hour later it started and um, we came under a severe attack both of us and it uh, whatever this thing was we didn't know how to deal with it and it stayed in our home for about eight weeks.
0: Um, and it turned our lives upside down. And that's, that's the first tip off. You know, in other words, you know, when you go into these cases and people are describing horrible, but sometimes this is the first true tip off that this is legit because now all of a sudden this thing is trying to scare you off and harass you so that you don't ever go back. So you must've thought, okay, oops, that must have been tough what what happened things started going on in your house or what happened? well I um,
1: it it's for me at least it started with the dream of a black cloud over my face while I'm laying in bed that kept swooping down on my face and going back up to the ceiling swooping down on my face going back to the ceiling and one time it swooped in my face and I woke up out of this dead sleep and I stepped off of my bed into ankle-deep water. Something had burst the water main under our master bedroom floor. Wow. So we got flooded out and Sharon and I went and we still to this day sleep on a California queen in the living room with our two mastiffs because we didn't want to sleep in that room again even after all these years. Um, there's nothing here anymore but friendly spirits. But right. I made that my paranormal office and I'm actually doing the interview with you in Sharon's office and then I have another uh, room here but we didn't want to sleep in there anymore after that ordeal that, so, that, that uh, you
0: know what I'm, I'm gonna stop you right there that speaks volumes to me I'm telling you even after you like you said you cleansed it you whatever you cleared it that experience must have been so horrific that you said you know what I don't I that that room is like forget well
1: it, it it was, that was just the tip of the iceberg after flooding us out. It, these, the, it it was like the environment around the house was totally manipulated. I would hear in the bed, in the middle of the night, I would be, I would wake up out of a dead sleep hearing and nobody else could hear it. The dogs wouldn't react. Sharon couldn't hear it. I would hear what sounded like a cat being torn apart by wild dogs just outside my window. I would go out there and look, there'd be nothing there. Um, we would hear children playing in our garage. I'd go out there. the garage would be shut and locked. Uh, One time I heard the kids, I went out there and there's a swarm of bees. And I get into this conversation all the time. Some psychics say, no, these bees were there to help you. And maybe they were, but they freaked me out at the time. I shut the garage door and I didn't know how to get rid of these bees. I made like a makeshift bee suit and I decided, well, I'm going to walk very carefully out there. Uh-huh. I'm going to unlock the garage door and lift it open, go back in the house, wait a couple hours and see if they go. I was able to do that without getting attacked and the bees did leave. Okay. But then like blackbirds, like I'm in Southern Nevada, we don't have like ravens here. Okay. And these weren't even really ravens, but they look sort of kind of like them. Okay. Two of them appear in my yard while I'm out there gardening and they just start attacking me. And, um... I just I couldn't even go out in my yard anymore and I'm still hearing that thing in the middle of the night and then it would sound like like the largest like a condor like a large winged Holy something God. would land on my roof and you could hear it running around on my roof and then it would always sound like it would crash through Right above the master bedroom into the attic okay. so I would go up there and look you know, I'm shaking, I'm about to, you know, mess my pants, but I go up there and peek.
0: And <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, this is the horror movie moment where everybody says, yeah, what I are you doing? This, but I, I get it. Really have, be to
1: and I was drinking at the time. So I'm like, are you, I mean, are, are you, are you, are you drunk? Are you this drunk? Or I wasn't taking drugs at this time. I left the drugs behind me in my Navy days, but I'm I was up to maybe Oh, six, seven, eight years ago I was a heavy drinker and I quit drinking but I was wondering at this time you know uh, what is wrong with you right but no uh, what really was the kicker to me was Sharon not a drinker not a smoker healthiest person I know no history of cancer in her family like overnight BAM she gets struck with two very rare forms of cancer and we're still fighting that battle to this day, but she wasn't um, expected to survive that. And you know, 35 treatments of radiation later, eight of chemo, three operations a year with a feeding tube in her, um, and a lot of me crawling on my hands and knees. My mom came to me one day and said, "Get your butt to church, and do what I did for your father." So mm-hmm. I would go to this all-night prayer chapel around the corner. and I would crawl on my hands and knees up to the altar praying for help for Sharon so she's still here but we're still struggling um, with this battle can I say 100% that it was the demonic that slapped her with this affliction. Mm-hmm. No, I can't. Right. I can say that it's absolute divine intervention that she's still here. Okay. But I had a very good friend of mine that I knew all my life that was dying of, um, he had no religious beliefs. Okay. And he was dying on the east coast of colon cancer. He called me from his deathbed hours before he died and said, I just saw God and he wanted me to tell you. That Sharon's not gonna die and you need to continue to fight those responsible see I did a, I skipped, jumped here because what happened was I was already uh, well entrenched in my training to become ordained because when I sought out help to get this thing out of our house in the beginning I stumbled upon my who now is my mentor I stumbled upon this woman who was a deacon and an exorcist, and she trained me, and so um, I was already, you know, ordained by this, or working on getting ordained at this time. So it was just, um, I knew that I knew who was responsible for it. Can I prove it? No, but what I what I want people to take from this is that um, some people in my field get mad at me when I talk about uh, giving any credit like this to them well hey you're not in my shoes for one two i totally understand that and i totally appreciate that but these things are older than the beginning of time and they're powerful Mm -hmm. and they can hurt you they can manipulate the environment they can possess people they can now i fear we've worked some cases where it's complete integration where the demon is totally taken over and they're now just that's just them left not the person and right. they're walking around um living right and, um, and, and, and yeah, a lot of people be...
0: don't realize that that uh somebody that's possessed they can flip-flop between obsession and possession doesn't have to be like a total take takeover they could be obsessed which is kind of where the person's there but they do really and then they go in other words they can they can go between one and the other, you, of course, when they're possessed, that's when they do sometimes really horrific things or things that whoever's around them will say that, that that's not that person. But uh, everybody it doesn't have to be possession 24-7. You can have a lesser degree than it comes and goes. Yeah. And let me ask you, what happened to that case? Did you ever go back or what happened? Well, what happened, and this is probably
1: is going to be a main part of my book if I ever get it done. You will. The next nine cases in a row were very ugly, demonic cases. There you go, God, I've heard that before and what so many was, times. Yeah, what was interesting about them was everybody, all my clients, either knew each other professionally or personally. They all knew me. And the the same thing was happening to every client. Okay. Um, two of the cases were almost possessions, One of the cases uh, was when I had my, well, I already had an extreme demonic attack here at the house, but one of the cases resulted in a a second severe demonic attack on me, which was so severe, I actually walked away from the field for about a year. And I was done. And then it was a pastor friend of mine who was working a case and she said, I need your help. And I Mm -hmm. said, "Uh, I'm not the guy for you. She said, no. I happen to know on a good authority that you are. Please come with me to this case, which I went to, and it was there that I had um, the vision of the Holy Spirit. And I knew that, you know, dummy, you, these, you know, somebody has your back, you're meant to do this. Mm-hmm. Don't be a chicken, um, yes. do what you were meant to do. And then the very next case after that was a possession case. And during that, I came under attack again, And it was during that case, I actually had a vision of being on Calvary with Mm -hmm. Christ on the cross, and uh, that changed my life, and I just, uh, that vision turned, the way I approached those cases completely around, and um, I was able to bring closure to that case, and um, uh, people need to be careful, it's, uh, and there's so many things you can do to bring this on you, Mm -hmm. Uh, um, just be careful seances Ouija boards dabbling in the black arts Satanism yeah, true. You know, devil worship I mean a lot of people take that stuff for granted and think it's just fun and kind of cool to be gothed out and you just um, they're just floating around waiting for
0: targets absolutely and if you make yourself a target you're going to have issues well usually what happens is that in and in- by this because but people don't understand let's say the ouija board everybody's like "Ah, the ouija board if you know what you're doing and you know how to open it and close it and you for protection you're going to be okay but very few people that engage in that really know how to work it okay but all those other things that you talked about the ouija board blah 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 all basically what you're saying at some point in time is you're putting out the invite and that's the problem right there when you put out the invite what a people a lot of people don't realize is you could put a put out the invite five years ago and they might not take you up on it because maybe five years that's when you're really maybe a something in your life is going on which is like now i'm going to take you up on that invite when you did that stupid thing five years ago now and that's the problem the invite part and there's a lot of ways of doing that
1: that's right people have to be careful
0: oh sure sure And of course, I mean, what you said, you know, you're you're dabbling in Satanism. Hello. (laughs) It's like, okay, (laughs) that's that's. But what I'm saying is that sometimes um, uh, people or if they're or if let's say they they think that they're a medium and they want to channel, you got to be real careful with that because you really don't know who you're opening yourself up to. Uh, well, I didn't, I didn't
1: answer your one question you asked about that first young lady that was being raped. Mm-hmm. Well, ultimately her, um, you know, unfortunately, because I didn't know what I was doing, I had to cut them loose because sure. she became so violent towards me sure. and her husband. Ultimately, their marriage broke up. Mm-hmm. but i went on to work like i said another nine cases and isn't it funny i came full circle back to check on her and now this is a very young attractive
0: healthy girl okay who now is dying of cancer okay um let me ask you something did and you might not know this did she have any history of either molestation or rape
1: i'm not sure you know that's a great question i um okay
0: The reason why I I, I ask that, and I know sometimes, you know, as a a paranormal investigator, whatever, people don't ask those questions. But I see sometimes that that is like a gateway sometimes to to attack. So that type of what you're describing.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I
0: I didn't have a chance to explore that because
1: she cut cut off communication with me. I started helping my wife battle for her life. Sure other cases were coming across my desk i didn't really know what i was doing i just now met my my mentor and i'm now learning so it was just a crazy time and i and there's a couple of the cases of those nine that um i still feel bad about like one family i had had to actually move out of state really? because I, I i couldn't help them yeah and um a couple of the cases they were single mothers with um one ch- one child had autism the other child had down syndrome okay and those were the two that were coming under attack mhm yes and that was it's one thing when the family member is being attacked but then you have a child who now is um uh, has got an issue so uh That's yeah it was uh, it was very crazy and and so there were times where many many times i didn't know what i was doing and my out would be <laughs> i would be honest with them. I don't know what I'm doing. That's so refreshing. Maybe maybe you should move. You know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't want me moving in with you. I will, but maybe we should get out of this house. Because I drive up to a house, and it's like I, it could be 12 noon here in Vegas and 110 degrees out. Mm -hmm. I drive up to a house that's infested, and it looks like I'm looking at the house through sunglasses. And I know. Okay. I know before I even get up to the front door what I'm already up against. So sometimes I do say maybe we should get out
0: of this house. Um, Let me ask you, <laughs> Sean, do you, when you, let's say, if you go in on a case, do you ever ask them, because sometimes this is, and, and this pertains to what you were saying about people leaving houses where when they start recounting, it's, it sounds like something that, in other words, it's not the house, it's them. And they've moved around and they've been having something that's attached to them. How do you, what do you tell people like that? Because obviously if they move. Well, now I
1: don't sell them that's Now knowing what I know and as far as I've come, mm-hmm. I don't help. I tell people, let's draw our line in the sand, make right. our stand and fight back. Okay. Having said that though, I do have to cut a lot. My, my approach is so faith-based mm-hmm. that my first question to a lot of people that call me is what, religious belief system do you have in place if any if they don't have any uh, I can tell in my interview if they're ready and willing to do whatever I'm asking them to do okay. to get the help if I sense that that's not going to happen or they do say well, I'm Jewish or I'm Muslim or I'm a Mormon I say I first recommend go to your church right and try to get help. And you know how many of them turn around and go, I already
0: did and there nobody I was about there to say help. I'm sure that they were that that some of them are go no, they didn't they didn't help.
1: So that's that's why I'm teaching an online course now through a Bible college for clergy to be more um, receptive to this and more knowledgeable about the paranormal so they don't turn people away. If if they feel the need, they can jump in there and help.
0: Um, And you know what, Sean, and I've told this before, because a lot of people, you know, they don't really, unfortunately, I think it's Hollywood's fault. But the people like yourselves or people that have really dealt in genuine cases of demonic infestation or whatever, possession. Uh, What was it? In September, I think, of 2016, Father Amaroth, which was the lead exorcist for the the Vatican, he passed away. Mm -hmm. I remember I read an article where they had all these... Young priests coming out of the seminary, and they were tapping them like, "Hey, we want to train you as an exorcist." In other words, they wanted to make them, from the moment that they were out of the seminary, in other words, specialize in exorcisms. Absolutely. And a good majority of them did not want to. There was they, they didn't want to. And no, I'm, they'll admit to you that it's even at, at that stage in their career, it yeah. has to be a calling. Yes, and but a lot of them, they said that. In other words, they didn't even wanna find out if it was a calling. And uh, (laughs) a lot of people don't realize, not only physically, but psychologically, how draining working in that field is. But you're absolutely right. There's a lot of people out there that they're, you know, whether it's a parish or, you know, they're they're ministering, their ministry or whatever, they're good until you get to that part. When you've got somebody comes to you and tells you that this is what they're experiencing. Absolutely,
1: so that's that's if 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 anything comes from my classes and my book is that I'm hoping I get more clergy uh, wanting to get involved and it's funny my wife is actually saving up to send me the Vatican just opened up a course. Um, yeah for exorcism for the laity taught right there at the vatican but you have to come up with your round-trip airfare but Mm -hmm. once you get there your room and board is paid for for a week you get like i think one meal a week and a shuttle service from where you're staying to the vatican and back Uh, but for seven days every day you're actually being trained by some of the world's most experienced exorcists and possibly even assisting in some of the performing of the rites during that time. So she's so actually saving up to send me, and hopefully, in the next um, uh, couple of years, maybe I can get there.
0: That's also interesting. Now, and one of the things I want to ask you about, and you said when you were explaining how you ask these people that call you, you know, what are your religious beliefs, if any, whatever. And I want to ask you because I find that sometimes, again, I'm going to blame Hollywood for this, people think that. In the case of an exorcism it's like a clap of thunder and it's over and up to a certain point yes with the cleansing but I don't know if you find that let's say after that these people still need to do some type of spiritual or religious how can I say effort on their part to keep that at bay in other words whether it's prayers whether it's going to church uh, whether it's anything it's in other words you still got to work at it to keep your house and your family clear because whatever was there might try to make, you know, re-enter your, yeah. your family or your household.
1: They never, they, I, I don't, I don't know, like, can I prove this? No, but I believe they never go away. Mm-hmm. You just kind of, you actually just kind of kick them to the curb for lack of right. a better Term, and they wait and watch. Now is this person going to keep all the windows and doors locked and sealed and right. change their life around and not give me a reason to come back? And they watch. Yeah. And and if you give them a reason to come back, they come back way worse. Right. Um. Yeah. And and it can be anything. Like a beautiful girl I'm working with today. She said I got her baptized. I got her going to confession church and receiving communion every week but she won't stop working at a strip club oh my God. okay she's a beautiful girl and one day in her life she won't be able to do that work anymore right. but she makes great money doing it sure. she's not a whore she's not strung out on drugs but this thing that manifested to me through her in my van one day mm-hmm. out in front of a church is still with her Yeah. and course it's because she hasn't changed her lifestyle yes. and it's when she's at work that she actually gets molested. Of course. People think she's kind of weird out what's happening with so-and-so over there in in the booth by herself. She's kind of looks like she's having a seizure. Mm -hmm. Oh, she's, she's having issues. Her girlfriends kind of know what's going on. She might be having a little, you know, personal episode right now. We'll go, nobody wants to go over there and try and help her because
0: they're scared to death. Right. But, um, so there's that. She won't. Sure. It's it's and and you know what? <clears throat> I understand perfectly what you're saying. She's looking at it like you said, she's making money. She doesn't have a drug problem, but you know what? It's that environment you know. Yeah. You're you're exposing yourself. And it's it's a tough call when it comes to economics, but ultimately and this is something that people don't realize ultimately as much as you can help her give her advice it's always going to be her choice yeah and that's a tough one that i think sometimes paranormal investigators and um and exorcists they they're hoping after all this is done that you need to do what you need to do in other words ultimately it's your responsibility and some people they do it and then others, it was like, oh, okay, you know, I was bad, but it's over now, so <laughs> absolutely, it's like, yeah, surprise. <laughs> uh, and it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because, like you said, they, you, I, and by this I don't mean, but yeah, you're kind of a little bit on the, you've been earmarked, and like you said, they, they keep tabs on you. To see, if there's ever a point of entry again back into your life or the life of your family or the household or whatever it is. You know. I want to
1: also, for anybody that's listening that mm-hmm. might this might fit this, I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but I also want to give a lecture someday, or maybe I'll put it in my book, client etiquette. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, it was all your fault that this is happening, and if you can't help me, the, you're, you come under attack. Well, that's the influence that they're under, right. but... Um, attention seekers I get a lot of that Mm -hmm. and I recently had a woman that um, she jumped on board the ghost hunting bandwagon a few years ago Mm -hmm. did everything she could to try and get um, you know on a show she started by going around traveling around trying to buy every haunted antique she could and tried to get on the haunted collector tried to get uh, you know she's now she is probably has one of the most severe hauntings going on in her home right now that i've seen in a long time but she something happened in my first interview with her that and it's heartbreaking i feel you know what did i do wrong i know she needs help Mm -hmm. but she's not ready to accept it from me what didn't i do right in my interview with her to make to push her away right Maybe I'm a little too intense in the way I worship or, or telling her what we have to do. Right. But then behind my I never hear from her again for like two weeks. Okay. Um she told me that every morning at three AM is when it's worse. So I would wake up for like two weeks I would wake up every morning, I'd set my alarm, and at three in the morning I'd go to my computer and I would send her a private message on Facebook a prayer. Okay. Just you know, she had she knew no prayers. So I would send her a prayer never a thank you or don't send me any prayers anymore, weirdo, or anything. (laughs) But um, so all of a sudden, out of the blue, she comes up, she contacts me again. Things are really bad now. I need you here now. But before you come, reach out to Joe Blow over here who already came and investigated and has all this evidence to show you, and he'll tell you what's going on so then i put my feelers out there and found out that she had like six other teams come in there Uh, who made everything worse mm -hmm. and she even had the guy the one paranormal investigator that came out from arizona reach out to zach baggins to try and get on ghost adventures with her story Uh uh-huh zach turned it down now she's back to me again but she'll tell me right to my face you you need to come in here and you call yourself a Christian and you call yourself a Catholic and you call yourself an exorcist. You need to come in here and do what you're trained to do, regardless of whether I want to jump on board and learn prayers and go to church. And she already admitted to me she was baptized Catholic, right? But at a very young age, she walked away from the church because church is weird. Church people are weird. I don't like church. I don't like religion I'm I'm spiritual I don't need that and while the world's crumbling down around her you don't need that okay um and she was so mad at me that I told her I'm not the guy for you because I know that if I come over now and you're still not ready to do what I need from you things are gonna get so much worse Mm -hmm. I fear what really might happen then so for your sake I don't want to come over I'm not scared I just I fear for you mm-hmm and I think and I told her and I think there's a little attention getting going on here oh, sure I'm not criticizing you well she lost it on that and then all of a sudden she had a couple of her girlfriends attack me who know nothing about me or the case other than her friends they she told her friends this guy who you know I'm not sure what she told her friends that I'm gonna put words in her mouth but uh, I'd never been attacked like that in all the years I've been doing this, uh, ever, by people that I don't even know, mm-hmm. and I haven't even done anything yet. So, yeah. I, you know, people in this field, beware of attention getters. Oh yes. Beware of the people. It's hard. You see somebody dog paddling and drowning in the raging waters, yes. And you jump in to save them, and you tell them just relax. Mm-hmm. Let me get a hold of you, and I'll swim us to shore. But they just want to get you in a headlock and push your head under and drown you first trying to save themselves sure you have to learn when
0: it's time to cut them loose oh yes it's
1: heartbreaking it's heartbreaking i cry over it every time i have to do it
0: and people because some of those people as bad as what you said whatever is infesting our house to them it's worse you know what they're really scared of it's not the demon it's being ordinary (laughs) <laughs> people go through extreme lengths in fear of being ordinary. You know, you mean I'm gonna, you're gonna get rid of all this stuff, and I'll be just a regular person. Yeah, isn't that what most people would want, given yep. the choice? In other words, but no, they'd rather endure that. And like you said, and and I, you know, and and I'm glad you brought that up, Sean, because especially in this field, when you do it for a really long time, which I have, and you go to a lot of cases, one, you know, there is nothing there it's just you know creaky boards you know but especially in the last few years because of all the shows that i've come out people immediately now go to the supernatural explanation (laughs) versus anything else raccoons that got into your attic whatever and um and i tell them you know what you are going sometimes to go to cases where yeah they legitimately might have something going on but you realize at some point that that's either attention seeking or sometimes even mental health problems where as much as you want to help them you realize it's never going to be enough because of other things that are there so in other words yeah you could say i could help you but unless that person like you just explained says hey i'm on board with you i'm gonna do what tell me what i need to do and i'm gonna do it because i want this to stop if they don't engage like that no matter how good or how hard you try on their behalf. Do you it's mind if I get work? a little personal
1: with you here for a second? Sure.
0: Um, I apologize that you
1: can't see me and I can see you. That's fine. <laughs> and you have this wonderful glow about you. Okay. And I, are you sensitive too? Yeah, yeah because every time you bring something up, it's something I was just about to talk to you about. So I'm feeling there's already a little bit of a psychic connection between us, which doesn't happen very often with me when I do interviews,
0: so it's refreshing. Thank you. And uh, I just want you to know I'm really having a good time. Likewise, likewise, absolutely. No, I keep that I, I have done it. Uh because like I said, I've I've always done you know, like most people that get into this, you know, I, I grew up like liking ghost stories and I tell everybody Back when I was a kid, it was Hans Holzer was about the only one that would put out books about ghosts. And and then, as you know, and I had my experiences as a teenager, which by the way, I didn't realize what they were until later on. I was like, man, that, because of course, when you're a teenager, you're thinking about, you know, what, anything but that. But anyway, and then of course, later on, and and even when I did paranormal investigations, I was always the, um, I always worked the scientific end of it. And, uh, but, it's one of those things when you go doing the scientific, but inside you're doing stuff internally, yeah. that even though you don't share it with anybody, and I had my own experiences, this is what I tell people in this field, You know, especially nowadays that there's so many things out there to capture proof, that's great. If you're trying to prove something to somebody, whatever. But once you have that firsthand experience, like maybe what happened to you when you saw that girl ghost at your sister's house, doesn't matter if nobody would have seen it, and obviously you didn't capture it on camera, but there's something that shifts in your reality, in your world, that you know, you know what, I'm I'm not hallucinating, and I know what I saw. And This is something that's not of the normal. And your world can never go back to what it was before. Oh, absolutely. Some people run away from it, and they never, you, if you want to talk paranormal with them, they'll throw their shoe at you, like, no! Yeah. And then there's <laughs> the other people that say, once you have that, eh, uh, uh, you know your reality shift they pursue it you know and then they go into it and uh yeah and I've had experiences and I've worked in this field and I work with different people sometimes across the across the country and um but I I want to say for lack of a better word Sean especially when not so much as supernatural but when you start talking about malevolent or darker things it's much more subtle than people imagine because i i don't want to say this again marty's gonna get out of the soapbox when you're talking true evil of what we're talking about not the uh, i'm gonna make your head spin backwards and of course everybody will come rushing to exercise it's the corruption of a human being and when you're talking a being that has infinite time corruption can be done very slowly okay so contrary to what people think of you know the Hollywood version of that sometimes you have these horrible you know like you know think of the exorcist yeah sometimes you do get stuff like that but sometimes it's much more drawn out and horrible on how that works like I said sometimes people put out an invite and it's not till years later that they take up on that invite because just the timing is better for whoever wants that. But yeah, the the, the, the as far as your question about the sensitivity, yeah. And I know, let me tell you something. Hats off to you because I'm going to say it again. People don't realize how difficult and dangerous it is to work in the field when you're talking demonic cases or you don't want to say demonic non-human entities whether they're elementals whether they're ancient spirits whether there's something that has never had a human body and i mean that 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 we could go there for there for because that that there's a lot there a lot more than what people think of as far as you could run across but you made a very good point about this last lady that you were talking about that you know what it almost sounds like she really didn't want a job but almost i want to say she's it sounds like she was being manipulated to try to sh- get you in trouble kind of thing you know what i'm saying like she even yeah. sent people to attack you yeah and you were smart to like say you know what I'm sorry but <laughs> forget it yeah i can't i, I can't uh... help you And I, that's one thing that sometimes there, there will come a point where you, I'm sure you've run across and obviously you have where you say, I know I could help you, but I can't because you really don't want that help.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's heartbreaking, but it happens. Yes. And um, I've actually, you know, you you touch base on. There's there's even stuff out there that's worse than. At least demons play by a, a certain amount of rules, mm-hmm. and they're not very street smart. Mm-hmm. Um, I I know that sounds silly, but they have rules. Mm-hmm. But you the ones you touched on, like the non-human entities, and yes. the really really old, pure evil. Entities that yes. we don't know where they came from. Yeah. I've actually had cases where Exorcists that have been in this field way longer than me that I've reached out to for advice mm-hmm. Have advised me to stay away from that case. Yes um, so yeah. um, You just you got to really really be careful. Um, I got advised to stay away from a, a Dybbuk box case once oh,
0: okay, okay.
1: And a Muslim gentleman, very nice Muslim gentleman, who couldn't get any help from his church, wanted my help. He, he, he was 100% convinced his wife was possessed. Okay. And he used the term djinn because he thought that I would recognize that term being as though he was Muslim. Okay. But he said his, it's just like you hear the stories growing up as a kid, the genie in the bottle or the genie mm-hmm. in the lamp. Right. His wife would collect collect these antique bottles and antique lamps and he believed one was had an attachment to it that then took her over and um you know my mentors and uh people that i read that i reach out to for advice advised me away from that case because we're just unsure of we're we're just you know Mm -hmm. you're not really sure exactly what you're dealing with although we do know that some of these are extremely powerful and you can't even put into words uh how evil i don't yes. think there's words adequate enough to describe that and in and, and um and the hatred there for uh human life and, and human beings from these these creatures is just uh
0: right it, and, and a charm. lot of people don't realize if you're talking something ancient enough that predates judeo-christian belief systems they have no fear
1: of nothing right you come it's... in there all you know sp- sprinkling the holy water around holding onto your crucifix yeah. uh you get you get your bible taken from you and slapped with your own bible yes because uh, they have no fear of god right
0: they uh, they, so they they, they... <sighs> i mean i do believe i do believe that there is a divine light that does overcome all of that but if you're trying to funnel it let let's let's go the catholic route okay if you try to funnel it through your typical exorcism rituals which go back only as far back as catholic churches in existence it's like who knows maybe what the the words or the ceremony or the ritual if any would be to address something like that you know but it's not part of let's say the the catholic ritual of exorcisms it's not because whatever this is far predates that yeah all right um but uh and i'm glad I, <laughs> that thing that you said about the muslim i tell everybody I, every once in one of my shows every once in a while i tell people folks you know how nowadays it's because I, and I've you know that people put stuff out by their curb you know that they just want to get rid of pieces <laughs> of furniture and i yeah. mean they don't even go through the the, 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 the garage sale thing, even though you got to be careful with those too, but they just put it up by the side of the road because look, you know, it's in good shape or I don't want to cart it off. I said, you got to be careful with some of this stuff because you could have an attachment. It doesn't always have to be some old antique, you know, for it to have something attached to it. I tell him this could have been, you know, grandpa lived with them. Okay. And this was his favorite chair and his TV or his favorite, whatever. And Grandpa passed away, and they're putting this out on the side of the road because they don't want it anymore. <laughs> and guess what? You're taking you're taking Grandpa with you home.
1: Yep. <laughs> and I'm not saying
0: it's going to be malevolent, but you, you can start to have funky, funky things going on in your house. <laughs> yeah. Yep,
1: that's true. That's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah I never thought about that. that. And, I, and my wife, you know, she wants to we're – the, we're the creepy old ghost people in our neighborhood. It's like <laughs> Halloween. The kids send the parents up to the door for candy. Um, we have yard sales and garage sales sometimes, and we wonder why nobody comes. And I just tell my wife, I said, it's because we're just freaky, honey. Nobody wants to <laughs> come up here and take our stuff.
0: They figure if we
1: don't want this stuff – right. <laughs>
0: Well you know what so, and to me I loved I've always loved Halloween all my life I loved Halloween and, and now I we live on a property where it's it's you know I've got this big huge wall in front of me and now it's more agricultural but before it I would tell them you know as an adult by the way as an adult I would uh, I would sit next to to my door like with a big sheet over me like you know how people just prop people <laughs> up and, <Yeah. laughs> and you would see the kids I would love to see them walking up like is it is it real is it real no it's not it's not of course I would put the dish of candy on my lap and you'd see them like coming to reach i could see through the thing coming to reach and man once i moved those kids they grew wings on their heels yeah, oh my absolutely. god you know or you would see the little kids by the gate with parents mommy no i don't want to go in i would love that because to me it's like that's what halloween is about it's like so, yeah. so we, i we get were it surprised. i get it i get what you're now, talking when we, about
1: when we first moved here we saw so many kids around where i'm like honey we're going to have to do halloween because i don't want to be the the, the odd ball out and so we had just moved in, and I thought, okay, they don't know me, so I'll get a, be able to get away with this one time. So I dressed. I'm a short man, so they must, you know, but these are kids. Yeah. I put on my best Jason costume and i was leaning up against this old tree right up against the sidewalk in front of my house like it like a mannequin up against a tree but i had and this was a bad idea now but i had a real chainsaw on my right hand and i would wait and as the kids came up and go look at the cool halloween jason they put up there that's cool i'd wait till they got right up to me and i'd reach over with the left hand and just all i did was just turn pull the the string and turn the chainsaw on and you would just see bags flying in the air with candy going everywhere and the kids are just gone um i would have i'd have to take my mask off turn the bus off wave them down say i'm just kidding come on back and get your candy it's okay it's okay
0: so yeah i'm telling you one time one time i got my son i had like a detached you know one of those uh, uh uh the garage was like, I had like a carport garage and it had like a low overhanging roof that slid down. And I got my son uh, to dress up like kind of a werewolf. He had a werewolf mask, (laughs) was a really good one, by the way, with the things, and he crawled up on the roof. So basically you had to come by that overhang to get to the front door. Let me tell you something. And you know, when you you have these groups of teenagers that they're all like, ah, you know, I'm not scared of nothing. and he dropped off that roof and those kids like they almost like forget the gate on my fence they almost like took the gate down with (laughs) them. well the thing was he came down off the roof that was classic you know he was and this is the thing i'm gonna gonna, we're gonna segue to this real quick i think it's a shame that everybody's so scared of having a happy halloween when yeah all the way till i was like i want to say maybe in the last 20 years is when it started to change where you would see scores of kids out you know of course smaller kids with an adult or you know the team but everybody would go out trick-or-treating it was great yep. at least down here in south florida little by little they want to make it safe so yep. you know all you do is you go to these little uh like things oh so, bring the kids for candy and i was like the whole fun of it is to go walking Absolutely. around and get what scared. happened to
1: what happened to the world you know I, I don't know what happened it's like i blinked my eyes and all the things that i loved growing up they just don't do it anymore
0: yeah yeah um, it's 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 and yeah no like i said they they tried to make everything sometimes too safe and it's like okay you know i'm not telling you i'm not saying let your little kid run wild of course you know have an adult walk along with him and wait at the gate you know and don't don't touch the candy till we get home but you know that that was i don't know for me and as i was growing up and even as a teenager to me halloween was a blast and it's like now it's safe. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, but it's just yeah. It's yeah. it's like yeah. What what can I say? So let me ask you, Sean. Um, nowadays, do you do you only work in that area of Las Vegas as far as taking cases, or do you go further afield? Well, you know, I'm an
1: old guy. I'm going to be 58 in November. My wife, actually, God bless her, she is, she's a cougar. She's 16 years older than me and still has twice my energy. <laughs> Everything she's gone through, I work part-time. She's a full-time office manager at an animal hospital. I'm a vet tech at the same hospital, but how she does it, I don't know. Um, We don't travel well. I have these two big mastiffs here also that Mm -hmm. aren't really friendly and and i i'm not a big fan of taking them and dropping them off in a kennel somewhere where i go on vacation so we don't travel much i will work cases here local but it's just my wife and i so yeah sometimes i'm already working a couple of cases and i probably get at least a call a day somebody wanting at least some advice right so i physically can't get out there and help anybody i mean everyone Mm-hmm. So I do more counseling than anything right now. But if I really honestly feel somebody's in a situation and they need they need physical bodies there now, I will try my best. And I can't get there. I will try my best to find a team near okay. them that I can refer to them. Right,
0: that you think is reputable as far as... Absolutely. So right now it's mostly Vegas. And in, in the reason why I asked you is that you know if you if you did any work remotely and um as a matter of fact recently i read another article that you know that the catholic church um is even using you know like if they need additional priests to pray during some rituals of exorcism you know you and the fire i'm telling
1: you you and i are psychically connected here i'm telling you because you are you are Asking me (laughs) exact questions of something that's on my mind. It's just. There you uh, go. You're blowing me away here a little bit. No, uh, let me run down the groups I work with. I love them all. Um, I was ordained through Agape Christian University and the American Association of Exorcists. But currently, I work with the Worldwide Bible College and Theological Seminary and the American American Society of Exorcists. But I also have Agape Team USA and the Order of the Sword of Archangel Michael. Okay. And you're right. As we call it, we refer to it as exorcism by distance. Mm-hmm. And you know, just like any walk of life, there's many exorcists that are truly gifted with psychic abilities and can do astral projection, uh, remote viewing, and so forth. So many times when I'm going to go somewhere and perform the rites, I send the word out through the through the channels of communication of the mm-hmm. people that I know and they will everybody that's available to do so on that exact day that they know i'm going to do this at the exact time they already have the person's address and a picture of the client okay. and my case files they will drop everything they're doing and everyone will go into prayer at that moment that they right. know i'm there doing this um for a positive outcome mm-hmm. uh, specifically and and they go as far as to out loud say names and say locations and specific people they're asking for for help from above and why they're asking for that help and and you know what um the only thing i can say is the power of prayer is very strong yes it is a lot of people think you know i prayed for this for so long and i never got it or uh, i pray all the time why did this still happen to me don't lose faith i mean there's there's believe me um god's only going to lay on you as much as you can handle and if he lays anything on you at all Mm -hmm. it's there's a reason for it and don't stop praying don't lose your faith um you know your biggest weapons against these things are humility love um hate the sin love the sinner. Try to be a better person tomorrow than you were today, and so on. And just, my God, the world is just... I don't even like to go out my house anymore other than to go to work and come home. Because the world right now is just so yeah. crazy. How many friends have I lost simply because I voted for Trump? Not because I love Trump. Right. Not because I hate Hillary. But I right. honestly, in my heart, I voted for him because... Um, being as though my father was in the service and mm-hmm. I was in the service, I couldn't forgive Hillary for the Benghazi thing. Right. And I totally couldn't get on board with her stance on abortion. So mm-hmm. that's why I voted for Trump. And and I don't like Trump,
0: well, but it is what it is. And you know how many friends I've lost because oh, of just that? And this is, as a matter of fact, I was, I was um, who was I talking to the other day? I can't remember. And I was saying, you know what? ever since i turned 18 i voted i vote i vote i vote on everything okay and i said i cannot remember a time where i would have seen anybody take down another person's political sign it didn't matter it was like whatever your political beliefs were if you had a politician's sign on your lawn on your truck on your car it was like hey that's that's we're in america you would yeah. never, ever, ever think of going on somebody's property or vandalizing it or taking it down. That was unheard of. What is that? And it's like, yeah. what, where where did these people come from? You know, of course you should be able to have whatever political beliefs you want and express them as in you want to sign, you want to put a bumper sticker. You could not like it. You could disagree with it vehemently. But some of the things I saw... It was like what what is this yeah. and to me you know that to me was very 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 disheartening and i hate to say it but the ones that were doing it were people that were in the hillary camp yeah. it was like and you know what i have a lot of people that along the way they've come to me and they said man this is you know i was they kind of changed they they changed their political stance because they kind of wigged out when they were seeing what was going on with them trying to shut down anybody that wasn't on board it was like man what is that that's crazy yeah you know and i think that a lot of people a lot of americans like you said even if trump they weren't enamored with trump at the same time they weren't really thrilled with like what is that man you just you don't go like uh, trying to intimidate people or, or trying to beat them up. If they have a hat, it's like, hey, well, for whatever. So the guy's got this red hat on. Okay, whatever. You know, he's yeah. crazy. I don't agree with it. I'll go vote whoever I want. That's it. End of story. Yeah, uh, I, yeah and I agree with you as far as that it's gotten um, – and, and I'm going to say, for those of us who have been alive for a while, who have seen things, <laughs> how can you say, develop along – yeah. that no something by this i'm saying not the millennials like baby boomers mm-hmm. you know that you're like what in the world is this that you have something to compare it to and this is not what America's about america was about whatever your belief systems are people can disagree with you but you don't attack people or like i said or vandalize their property or do anything like that that's that 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 to me is scary, and I and, and I understand what you're saying about as far as like, yeah, you know, sometimes it's just better. What uh-huh. is it? Stay home and let's let's binge on Netflix. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah. That's, 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 you know, well, my wife works six days a week. I work three days a week. So uh-huh. on our days off, you're right. We stay home We're with the dogs and we make sure we have plenty of groceries for the weekend and we find some good stuff to watch on TV. Yeah. And I'm in here working on cases and she's still doing homework for her office. And we prefer just to do that. Cause yeah. you know, I talked to a gentleman the other day that's been an exorcist for many, many years and he we don't like to be we don't like to be like these end of days type guys mm-hmm. preaching end of days but something is coming and it's like we have this hedge of protection around us that has been uh, like you said earlier in the show these things have all the time in the world and they never give up. So they've been eating away and eating away at this hedge of protection. And it's probably as broken down and as thin as it's ever been. Right. And right. our whole world is infested with evil now. And it's just gonna get worse unless people, I'm not telling people to convert to Catholicism. Oh, of course. But find, find this higher power that you do believe in of love and light. And start praying to that and just start being a better person yes we need to push this back yes. uh, or something really really bad gonna happen because it's 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 uh, the whole world is under uh, what's the term I'm looking for you used that earlier uh, oppression
0: yes we're well, under an evil oppression yeah. right now the yeah. whole world and it's and I tell everybody you know um, sometimes it's like do you do the right thing when nobody's watching and by this i don't mean like let's wig out and get paranoid but you know what they say you know what's in a person's heart only god or the goddess whatever you're the divine whatever you want to call it hey i'm good with that only knows what's in a person's heart and what is it that you do when nobody's there to witness do you do the right thing okay and by this i'm saying god we're human beings and personally, I think that life is meant to be messy, as in you screw up royally sometimes on the choices you make. And then you learn, hopefully, I gotta stop doing that, I shouldn't do that anymore. Yeah. You know, and that is that is what life is supposed to be about. You know, contrary to, it's like, you know, how these supposed holy men that they went up to the mountain, it's like, man, who's not gonna be holy if you were in a mountain? <laughs> it's it's yeah. when it's difficult is when you gotta engage in life, you know, so, you know, i think that overall i I tell everybody i'm not i don't believe in transhumanism however i am a humanist i believe in human beings i believe in the goodness of human beings and i believe that they will triumph i believe that overall most humans are good and will do the right thing the thing is like what you said that nowadays what we see is the other part amplified and you know let's say for example if you look a lot of these not all but some of these reality shows it's like they exemplify the worst of human traits absolutely you know and they make them look admirable and you're going to be famous and I said like I told you before, there's a got a multitude of people that are running away from being ordinary, which by the way, most ordinary people are usually very happy those are the happiest, the average people and um, and, 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 and it kind of gets amplified and, and I want to say sometimes it makes it look like we're going to get overrun because of course the thing is that that's the effect of media and the internet and we get it blasted like um but yeah i i do think that and it's a day-to-day thing i think it's a day-to-day thing the choices that you make and the kind of person that you are and um and uh that the way i look at it is that i still believe that the universe is friendly towards me i i believe Mm -hmm. in a friendly universe i don't In other words, some people say, oh, you're being very naive, Marlene. But that's the way I look at it. But that there are bad people and bad things. Absolutely, there is. There is. But I still think of it as a friendly universe who who wants to help out, you know. And this, then we go down like what you were describing when, let's say, you're going to go on a difficult case. And you have all these people in your network who pray for you or do whatever it is that they're going to do at that moment and that is very that's so so powerful sean okay when you believe in goodness when you believe in and i guess what i'm trying to say is i'm not talking about rebecca sunnybrook farm goodness like oh that's i'm talking about goodness that is that people don't understand that doesn't matter about space or time how powerful that is to help somebody else you know like what you were describing as a backup it's very it's god people underestimate how powerful that is and yeah. also remote work when it comes to this field um and like I said m- in my experience and and I know some people I'm I'm gonna do this little segue and I'm gonna and you 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 chime in and you tell me Marlene I agree with you or no Marlene you're <laughs> I believe that In some of these cases we kind of throw the we want to throw it at God you know like oh why did you do this to me and sometimes even in these cases where we're talking either something supernatural a regular dead person or something malevolent and darker you have to ask yourself what is it about this situation that feeds your soul as in the person that's being victimized or the family what is it about this that feeds your soul? And you might get really weird looks like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Are you saying it's my fault? Maybe. Besides the obvious of maybe you dabbled in the black arts or you were Satanist or you were out there going, hey, what is this about it that feeds your soul? And by this, I mean, you'd be surprised. And as you could tell us, well, that's my field of interest as I'm a subconscious behaviorist. The subconscious is very powerful as to how it will manipulate things behind the scenes to bring and manifest certain things into your reality. And you could say, well, God, no, maybe it wasn't God. God was standing going, you sure about this? Go ahead. Okay. That we bring this into our existence to manifest it in one way or another. Whether it's being victimized and I've seen this that's why I asked you that question about that case that you said I said has she ever been molested or raped or anything of that nature and I think and some people say wow that's and and you go sometimes this is some especially when you're talking these type of cases that are really dark and that, that some people need to do that in inner search to like okay from here we can break away from that where you say you know what maybe there is something here that I'm getting out of it, even though I don't want to admit it. Even though logically I'm scared, I'm crapping in my pants. Yeah. Or it's wrecking my family, you know, or wrecking my life, whatever. And, you know, I think from there, you know, but yeah, I, I, ultimately, despite what we were talking about, how, how some of these beings are very dark and sometimes difficult, if even understandable, what their reasoning is ultimately i think that under those circumstances they can be overcome or pushed away in the sense of you have no interest with this person any longer okay move on and go find somebody else to engage with but you know and and the reason why i brought that up sean is because you know how we were talking about that sometimes let's say you go in there and you do your thing and this person kind of engages. But if they don't work it out in their head why maybe this came about they could very easily fall into, like you said, the, into a scenario where they invite this back in. Yeah. Because that trigger inside of them is still there, and I know a lot of people would think, well, Marlene, you know, if you is that what you do on every paranormal investigation? <laughs> you psychoanalyze <laughs> these people. I go, no, but you know what? On some of these really dark things where maybe things are really horrible for somebody or for a family you do need to ask those questions i don't know have you ever run across this where you think part of the problem is the people that are experiencing it themselves besides that obviously that lady that wants to be on ghost adventures that is
1: well what's funny is that you uh, we sharon and i usually decide do they need an intake form Okay. More times than not we send out this intake form and it's quite lengthy and we require that the whole family as a unit get together and fill out this form. Usually I lose people right there once they receive the form because it's lengthy and they have to get the whole family together. and. Uh, the form, you're right. Everything you just talked about is going to happen to these people when they read this intake form. They've got to be very honest and do some soul searching because I'm going to get this form back and sit down with Sharon and we're going to look it over and then decide if we need to go there or not. Now, before I go, I already I already have my game plan down, and this is what I mean by sometimes the way I worship is a little a little too intense for some. That's why I try to get the okay ahead of time. I let them know, are you, if they're not already, are you willing to be baptized again? Yes. Okay. This is what's going to happen. And I tell them, this is what I'm going to do when I first get there. Does that weird you out? No, sounds great. I am, you know, I'm happy to say more times than not by just doing what I'm about to tell you that I do when I first get to these homes, Mm -hmm. um, the case is solved. I I knock on the door, and when these people open the door, I I know I have to be as humble and as loving as I can. So when they open the door, they already know not to freak out because I'm going to be on my knees. Okay. Then they know I'm going to say some prayers and I'm actually gonna crawl on my hands and knees over their threshold of their home and up to the person that's sitting in there waiting to be baptized. Okay. And I have long hair, so I get in front of the person and it could be a man, it could be a woman, it could be a child. I always make sure there's witnesses in case it is children. Uh-huh. If it's a woman if it's a woman by herself, I make sure Sharon's there. And I require them to barefooted, put their feet in a bowl of holy water, Okay. and I actually wash their feet for them, and then I dry their feet with my own hair, Okay. and then I baptize them, and while I'm doing all of this, now if they didn't, I have to tell these people this is what I'm doing when I get there, because that's, that's a bit different
0: to lay on somebody it if they don't know that's what you, you're Have you say. ever had somebody that's been possessed that refuses to put their feet in the holy water? Yeah. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I'm sure ankle,
1: that be to what, what? <laughs> but I'm already saying prayers for everybody that's available above me <laughs> that has a moment. Please okay. come down and walk with me here because yeah. I don't have any powers. I can't do anything unless they're there. So I'm already feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the more these things try to fight, I just – I, I – Believe it or not, I know some people out there that do deliverance ministry are gonna squirm a little bit uh-huh. many times I've looked right into a demon's face and say, I love you God loves you yeah. even uh-huh. though you are in hell right now yes. you can come out of that yes you know uh, the person that you're in God loves
0: uh-huh.
1: um, uh, sometimes that's so uh, disarming yes it and is, isn't so it? while I'm while I'm baptizing these people, you can actually hear, and demons travel in packs. People don't, a lot of people don't believe that. I've never worked a case where there was just one demon there. Mm-hmm. It's always a pack of them, yes, and you yes. can hear them just scattering and leaving the home and squealing, almost like pigs, just squealing and screaming and scattering mm-hmm. and running away from home. And by the time I'm done with the baptism, the person's looking at me like... uh Well, the person that I first saw when I walked in there wasn't that person. So now I'm looking at a completely different person. And the look I get on my face is, we don't say another word. We just look at each other and we know something miraculous has just happened. And usually there's some crying and there's some hugging. And um, then there is what I call the talk, where now I'm gonna lay on them what you need to do from this point on so that mm-hmm. i don't have to come back because if i do have to come back i may i may not be enough help for you it may be right. too far gone at that time and i may yes, not be able yes. to help you so hopefully you hit rock bottom and you're able to do this and i leave them with the, i leave them with like a wall crucifix and a maybe a big statue of the virgin mary mm-hmm. a lot of holy water um, a lot of prayers, a Bible, and I, you know, telling me, you know, say this prayer to your guardian angel every morning when you wake up. Say the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the prayer to St. Michael every night before you go to bed. Bless yourself. I give him a font. Bless, hang this by your door. Mm-hmm. Bless yourself before you leave. Bless yourself when you get home. Um, right, right, And just start being a better person. I'm yes. not judging. But whatever you think it was that might have invited this in, and I give a list, any of these things, and I'm not judging, and you don't have to tell me, but any of these things could have caused this, stop doing it, and stop, there's usually a lot of fighting in the family. Yes. You guys need to stop fighting. If someone needs to move out of here because you just can't get along any longer, fine but it's, no more fighting love yes. love I'm so
0: love. glad that you brought that up that is oh sean let me tell you something because people don't realize even after something like that especially like what you just described that you know that maybe there is that one person but the whole family is like that sometimes that is the solution and as bad as uh, that's usually the last thing but that that recommendation i'm glad you put it and you tell them think about that that's a possibility yeah, so I'm. I've been lucky. Well,
1: it's. I'm. You know what? I'm going to take that back. I haven't been lucky. I've been blessed to something. You know, there's there's something watching out for me up there, and I'm blessed enough that when I'm in trouble, it comes to my aid, and it's and whatever that is, and I always label it the Holy Spirit because I've seen it. Um, I I know that they're the ones that actually take care of the business really i i and you know what i don't i i wouldn't really even have to go if i could get the person <laughs> to baptize themselves there and 100 percent right. their heart and soul believe yeah. that what they're doing is fill yes. your bathtub up with holy water right take a swim get in there yeah. have somebody in your family wash you down with holy water and and pray for you and open mm-hmm. up the back of the bible where the baptismal rites are and and you know they can baptize themselves so they could just do that. Um, they would be so surprised at um, right. at the the outcome, but they have to change. They did something to invite this in and make it feel it had permission to yes. come in and attach itself. So now you have to make it so hard for it to want to stay when it would be so easier for it to float next door. And attached right. to that person because that person was exactly. a drug dealer or yes. um, running an illegal brothel out of his home or uh, a because terrorist. It happens. it happens. He'll go right next door. He doesn't want to mess with you anymore because now you're fighting back.
0: Yes, exactly. Or- and that 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 does work out. It's but and but you know what. There's psychologically, there's nothing like having somebody like you show up on their doorstep and do it. I mean, for that person's belief system, as human beings, we're like, OK, I got, I got the exorcist here. You know, he's going to he's <laughs> going to kick the butt of whatever this is. So, yeah, I know what you're saying so as the, far as remote the, work. But psychologically, the flip side of that coin,
1: I get producers reach out to me all the time. First, my answer is always, no, I don't want to be on TV. But when we get to talking, two things they want to know. You're great. Do you know any teenagers that do what you do? We'd like a show of teenage exorcists. Yeah. Okay. I almost just want to fall out of my chair laughing. I just kind of go, no, this is usually a thing that happens to somebody later in life. I don't know any teenage exorcists. No. And if you gra- if you find a bunch of them and train them to do it just for a show, you're leading them to their deaths.
0: Right. Um, if, if, most teenagers, if they would have a real life experience, that's the last thing they, they would run in the other direction. Well, they say Reverend Sean, if we did
1: decide to do a show with you and your paranormal ministry, could we change up the part about you kneeling at the front door and crawling across and baptizing like people, want, and washing the their feet, part? drying Because their... I don't know if, we'll, if we don't know if that'll translate to TV. And right there, I'm like, well, that's what's wrong. That's why I always say no. And what's wrong with this whole? Like you said earlier, the reality TV show thing, you know, how real do you want this show to be? This is what you're, you called yes. me to ask you what this show is going to be about. I said, you know, don't, my mentor was actually, we were filming a show called American Exorcist Deacon Katie McDonald for Lifetime. Okay. When I first met her and she became, why the show never went on the air was right before we were done with the first episode she came so under attack they had slapped her with um oh my gosh what's that real bad immune system disorder Lupus. Um, yes it slapped that on her and she had
0: to retire but let me i'm gonna um, i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you maybe is your mentor or have you heard of sonia bros no i haven't Okay, all right, she's out of Southern California. She's been doing it for like forty years. That's why I was curious when you meant mentioned that she I was thinking, but anyway, go ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead, so but, she um, she had to back out of it because it was like, forget this.
1: Well, there was a producer on on site at one of these sizzle tapes they were filming, and he was just like these producers that call me up and go, you know this is a reality TV show, but does it have to be that real? He's was one of those kind of guys well during an exorcism, he burst into flames. Um, (laughs) so that also made the production company kind of regroup and say, what did we get ourselves into here? So yeah, you know, that's the whole problem with this reality tv show thing it may not translate to tv but what people are watching out there is not reality you don't have to investigate only at night in the pitch black and you and you don't have to sit there and antagonize these ghosts all night long (laughs) would you turn this flashlight on would you pull my hair if you're really here would you um these ghosts are like enough's enough i'm just trying to hang out here for a little bit before I go see God. I, you know, uh, and and I think of the sad souls that are trapped in these psychiatric hospitals that died there, they play along with the game because they're the same as they were dead, as they were alive, they're disturbed. And this is all just feeding into their continuing torment of their soul afterwards. These places mm-hmm. need to have people like you, mm-hmm. people like me go in there and help these these yes. things move on. Because and when a lot they of just them, this,
0: this you know, especially like you said, some of these older asylums, this was, was a, which of course, you know, people would get institutionalized. This would become their home. They would spend sometimes the major portion of their lives there. Um, so it's not like now, you know, in other words, places, and as scatters, part of their so attachment so is like, this is, this is my spot. This was my place yeah and it's uh and um i want to bring this up again one of the things that um that as far as dangerous when you go into places like asylums or prisons that people don't realize is that in some cases some of the people that were there not all some of them that are stuck like you said for whatever reason they had something which is called nesting Okay. And these people in life had an attachment of maybe a demon or another dark spirit. It could be human, you know. There are very dark human spirits out there. In other words, that spirit that is there now still carries that attachment with it, which is also part of the reason why they're still earthbound. Uh and the point being that sometimes when you think that you're really dealing only with a just a Human, spirit, ghost—that's you could be walk into something that's much darker because of the attachment that that person in life had, living yeah. with them. Uh, and I hate to say it, but prisons, these asylums, those are hotbeds for that type of of phenomena. Uh, and unfortunately, I hate to say it—that's why a lot of these spirits, besides if they had mental problems that they're earthbound because of what was happening to them in life and because of course like I said this was home this is where I lived so it's like yeah some of those places are really interesting yeah you're going to probably capture some type of evidence but you got to be really on your p's and q's because you could get an attachment very easily and I don't know you, you yourself said it a lot of your clients are paranormal investigators who end up with an attachment of some type I always ask them, wow, that was great evidence you got. Now what are you going to do with it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, put it on Facebook.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Oh,
1: okay, well then you accomplished a lot. (laughs) Did you help any spirits move on or did you help a client there that had an attachment? Um, You know, there's a lot of clients out there that, don't want you to get rid of the attachment a guy called me the other day i have a the ghost of a wife from a past life that's attached to me and i went ghost busting at the armagosa hotel and an old the ghost of an old curmudgeon miner attached to her because she's flirtatious and now he wants to kill me because he wants to be with her can you just come over and get the bad ghost out but not kick my wife's ghost out (laughs) Oh. <laughs> I got to hear. What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what I said. I just sometimes I look up at the ceiling and I, and I go, God, is this a test? Are you testing me? But come I was on, like, man.
0: Not only do I not want to be ordinary, I don't even want an ordinary haunting. I can't Dad, <laughs> put you it. You want line? Dad, is this you? Did you learn how to call from heaven? And he's like, OK, you know what? I, I don't I don't
1: think I went there because I, I think I told him, no, I have to come and they, everybody's got to go there. Nobody's playing Nice. You're talking about, you're, you're, you've you almost died. Let's talk about you. It's, yeah. it's about saving you. Oh, well, maybe you're not the guy I should have called. And I never heard from him again. So it's not. It's not. It's not. I prayed for him. And I, I pray for everybody that ever sure. calls. I write the person's name down as soon as they say, hi, my name is so-and-so. I was referred to you. I write their name down. And I add them to the prayer list. I kid you not. Mm-hmm. I still pray for everybody that ever called me. Um, because a lot of, like I said, a lot of people, I couldn't help. A lot of people didn't want my help, really. Exactly. Really and works. it it hurts, you know.
0: Yeah, but that's a good. I'm glad you throw you you threw that in the really part. Yeah, that people like. It's not what I, <laughs> what I need and what I want are two different things. That kind of thing.
1: Oh, I love it when somebody opens the door and goes, uh, "And who are you, I'm Reverend Shaw?" <laughs> I'm Sharon. They look around. Where's the rest of your team? Yeah, what
0: equipment?
1: Well, it's just in the bag here. What's in your bag? You got some cameras? No, uh, just a bible and some holy water and a crucifix and uh, 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 one one camera. My Sharon's already standing there. She loves dowsing rods. She's got the dowsing uh-huh. rods, and they're like, I can, I know they're
0: thinking these two are some <laughs> creepy old it's people. Like, here that we call. Who are these people? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's like, okay, I know where this is going. Yeah. All right. Okay. They think they yeah, know it's like... where it's going, but I never, I
1: never get preachy, and I never get, I never judge, and I never oh. get preachy, and because um, I'm not that kind of, I, I say this so many, I don't think a day goes by where I look at one, somebody and say I'm not that kind of minister, because right. I'm really not. I, I do what I do, and I am who I am, and it is what it is, and um, <laughs> that's about
0: it, you know. Well, but you know, and and that's the thing. like you said some people you can help them the way you know how to help them okay ultimately it's going to be their choice whether they say yes or no or no what do you mean i I, you know i that's not that's not i don't want deliverance that way i want it you know it's like okay then you don't really want deliverance then you're not really scared enough because when you really are scared enough and you think something's going on here you'll you'll take help whichever way it comes in it's like okay whatever what do you want me to do i'll do it you know, wh- wh- I don't care. You want to come in and kneel? That's, are you going to help me? Just help me. And I have I tell everybody that in my experience, you know, you had the ones that would call you in because they they didn't want to get rid of the ghost. They wanted you to identify it for them. Yeah. Okay. Versus the ones that were scared. You could tell they were scared. Like, whatever you tell me to do, I will do it. I just yeah. don't understand what's going on. Okay. And, and, um, and we
1: may never, even after I help them, we may never know.
0: Oh, of course not. Of course what not. What caused it and
1: what happened. Yes. Um, we may never know. Sometimes I, I do uh, change things around for the better, but I'll sit home later with Sharon scratching my head going, you know, for the life of me, I can't put my finger on mm-hmm. what happened to this family, but I'm glad things seem better. That's all I know.
0: Let me ask you, Sean, have you ever had any um, church member, whether Catholic or otherwise, ask you to go into a household, you know, in other words, that and say, hey, verify for me if what's in there is demonic? Have you ever done that for somebody?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Okay. And you know what's funny? Churches are very haunted. When I go to, even the one that I go to, and it's on hallowed ground, and they're usually just, like you said. It, the people that hang out at the asylum, that was their home. Mm-hmm. Some people were so devoutly uh, religious and yes. spent so much time in church or at that particular church, they know they can see God anytime they want, but they love staying there with their church because they know yeah. they're still going to see their friends, they're still going to see their family, they're going to see God present every Sunday at the Eucharist, Yes. And and they're happy. So that yes. freaks a lot of people out, but yeah, Someone says, listen, if it's just a ghost, if it's Uncle Tom or Aunt Betty that's just watching over the family, maybe you can tell her just to quit scaring us. She's welcome to stay, but quit scaring us. But if it's something demonic, we need to know. And we just, we're just not sure. So, yeah, I'll just show up. And I don't want to antagonize and make things, or or I don't do religious provocation like some guys do. That makes things worse, in my opinion. I'll just go over to have a cup of coffee or um, uh, a glass of tea and and talk with them, visit with them. And as I'm there, Sharon might walk around a little bit, not mm-hmm. doing anything, just walking. We might not even take any photos or have a tape recorder running, because I may sense that I don't wanna really do anything out of the norm, and whatever's there already knows why we're there, but right. I don't wanna do anything to make things worse. Yeah. So we will sometimes just sit there and have a cup of coffee, maybe a bite to eat. And, and then we'll eventually excuse ourselves and I'll call them. I'll talk with Sharon and we'll decide what I should say to them when I call back. And then we'll go from there. Yeah.
0: Have you ever been the cleanup crew that they've had a paranormal team in there that has, like you said, either either through ignorance or provocation, made it 10 times worse?
1: Absolutely. I, I, I would have been one with this one woman we talked about, but I realized she didn't really want help. Right. But, yeah, I've worked many cases where uh, – but usually I've been fortunate. Either the team reached out to me, we were working this case, okay. we're in over our heads, we need your help, or the client reached out to me and said, I had such and such investigators here. Okay. They're, they're, they feel they're in over their head and they recommended you. Right. Um So okay. I've been fortunate that way.
0: Yes. Yeah. Because I know that sometimes, um, and that's good because something, that's why I tell, you know, people, I said, you know, if you ever going to call in a team, you know, look at, you know, how long, you know, how long they've been together. I said, because usually those are the teams that have more experience. And if you ever feel uncomfortable with a team, because basically you're opening your house up to a stranger, because you got to be careful. Also, if you le- legitimately have some type of supernatural agency Doing something in the house, whether it's just a regular dead person or something darker, which is not as common as people think either. The last thing you want is somebody inexperienced, or like you said, things that provocation is because they want to get there. That's the last thing you want. You got to check people out before you let them in your house. And if you don't ever feel comfortable, don't bring them over. And um, I said, and if you can't find anybody in your area, go to a well established group that's close by maybe doesn't serve you but chances are like what you said you know of people that you trust if you're going to give a referral out yes yes you know, and that's super important by the way i was curious to ask you because my son was in the navy you, you were in the navy as well
1: yeah i was in i you know looking back if i knew then what i know now i would have stayed in probably 15 and retired but i only stayed in for the one tour of four years and got out Mm -hmm. i was disappointed it wasn't and i talked to my dad a lot he was still alive during that time i went in because of him and i talked to him a lot about it and he said it's it's not my navy so if that's what you were expecting when you went in i'm i'm sorry but and i support you if you don't want to re-enlist you know, you're welcome to come back home. And I'm a total mama's boy. I lived with my parents till, oh my God, till almost I got married, like my 30s. Yeah. Um, I, I followed him here to Vegas. I came, true story, I came home from the Navy. They had already moved to Vegas for ballet. Right. They were gone. They didn't even tell me. I thought my, they they ran away on me. And like, I couldn't Wait! find them, called my sister <laughs> my sister said oh they didn't tell you they moved to Vegas I'm all you're kidding me and then I I showed up at their door at Vegas knocking on the door um, they tried to they tried to sneak out on me and hide out and I found like, him
0: no luck no uh-uh. <laughs> I found him I am a real mama's boy yeah so well you know what it's real and I ha- you know what <laughs> I'm oh I almost killed my dog here who's always under my chair <laughs> my son he my youngest of all of them he was one of these that he went straight out of high school as a matter of fact he signed up even when he was in his senior year and I wow. told him Andrew are you sure are you sure and I, oh, mom I want to okay because he had this thing about the seals going on yep okay, me too right. <laughs> I said Andrew you know because he signed up about six months before he graduated and all through I was like you sure, yeah, mom, yeah, mom, yeah, mom. Which, by the way, for a mom, it's a very difficult thing to let go of your young son that just graduated. But, And, of course, they took him off to first to up in Chicago, north of Chicago, and then he was stationed off Coronado Island. He was on the, on the Ronald Reagan, which Kay. they toured, as a matter of fact, out there, uh, you know, Japan, the Philippines, all that area. And, of course, he was a mama's boy, but he would come here, but other times... I would be flying out there to California. Yeah. (laughs) That's a a big haul, because
1: he was on the West Coast and I was there. I was stationed in San Diego near Coronado. So you were in Florida and he was stationed in California?
0: He was stationed in California. Yeah, that's where then, you know, once he finished basic, you know, uh, north of Chicago, that's where he got stationed, you know, because the USS Ronald Reagan is docked there. You know, the the home port is there, Coronado Island. So. And the first thing was, "Mom, I want a Jeep because, you know, it never rains, Mom, I want a Jeep. He couldn't find a good deal. So I drove a jeep out there. I out there to him from Florida. <laughs> wow, yeah, wow. And you know, and of course, he would come and then you know, I'm telling you, so yeah, he did his five years, which in a way, looking back, it served him well, but he he once he got out there, he was really homesick a lot of times. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> at least I was – my parents were in L.A. the whole time. So I just – I got one weekend off a month, and I just hopped on uh, – they took trains still then. I would hop on the Amtrak right there in San Diego, be home in in an hour and yeah. spend the weekend at home. So that felt good. But I don't know if I would have been able to handle it, like realizing you're probably not going to see your family for four years.
0: Right. I don't know if I would have been able to handle that. Right, and that was the thing. He um, – I'm telling you – Yeah. He would come when he had a chance, but it was like, of course he would have to have an extended period of time in order to visit because. So far away. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I I, I get (laughs) that. But yeah, it served him and uh, it served him well. And uh, because he did get a lot of experience and he learned a lot of things and he did, besides being the part of the homesick, he did the traveling and he was a, you know, he did the, he went out there a few times, you know, every six months when they would ship out, out there to that area. And He saw a lot of the world that expands your horizons anyway. So yes, I, I, I totally get that. So anyway, Sean, I want to thank you so very much. It has been absolutely wonderful to speak to you. I know. I
1: just noticed how the time flew
0: by. It feels like it's been 30 minutes. (laughs) Yes. And I would love for you to come back on and we can talk about more of your cases. I don't want you to give away your book that you're writing, which I know that you're going to complete because I know that sometimes, but it, you know, it's the process, but once we get through it, it's, it's done. And I, I don't want you to give away your book, but I know you've got lots of stories and personal experiences that we could talk about. And like I said, I think some of these are the most interesting and sometimes the most disturbing because they're real. And, um, you know, they you don't see them on the TV shows. because some Absolutely. T- and I guess my point is they don't have to be over the top but they're just as disturbing they're just as scary because they happen to normal everyday people okay like you said that they don't find the answers maybe with whatever religion they belong to the clergy that serves them turns them aware or try something but it doesn't really work and they end up on your doorstep right you know and you know contrary not not everybody wants to have these stories put out there but you know of course we'll keep anonymity you don't have to mention names or anything but yes i think those are the most interesting cases So i would love to have you back and we get to talk about some Perfect. Of those.
1: and you're hard to reach I, I looked for you on facebook i saw you had a re- really nice um page for your group uh yes. But you didn't have a personal profile. Yes, I do. Because I would
0: like you on my. Sh- you do? Yes, I, I do. I have it. it on Marlene at Marlene Pardo. I, it's just that I have two separate ones. Because you know, I I realized after a while, it's like you know, when you start things out as as a group thing, and then you realize, hey, you know what? I need something personal because I need something separate. But yeah, I do. I'll I'll send you I'll, I'll send you a link so that we could hook up on on Facebook and on Twitter you, and stuff have... like that.
1: I'm gonna give you away my secret here. I I want you on my show too, but I usually only have people on that I've been Facebook friends with for a while because a week or two before their appearance, I stalk you. Oh, that's fine. And and that's and that's how I get information for my show. Yes. And um, and so. We would have I mean you're so easy to talk to we would have a, a great show anyhow you know, but if one, I, one of the if things that a lot a of people p- ask
0: me about and I want to tell you is I've written two books and you know I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I''m my field is you know like I said I'm a subconscious behaviorist but for many years I was a hypnotherapist and I would do alternative hypnotherapy and you know I would do normal stuff like stop smoking all that you know regular stuff but I did a lot of work with spiritual attachments. And that's where I learned a lot of running into non-human entities. And that's a whole different thing with that non-human umbrella income it doesn't have to be the D word. It could be a host of other things and- I'd love to work a case with you. Yeah, that would be- Yeah, you, you, you run across things that you go mm, You know, and usually I did, I would have another hypnotist, but a couple of times I did have clients. As a matter of fact, a lot of the clients that came to me with that originally had come to me for regular stuff like i need to stop smoking or i need to and then once it kind of trusted me a little bit then they come back and they would talk to me about certain things and it's it's uh it's way out there some of the things that you see that you see in an office that you're like what okay marlene hang tight well listen we i
1: want i want to tell you from the bottom of my heart you have a beautiful soul and i'll pray for you you're a beautiful person thank you so much for having me on i had a great time i'll come back anytime and i'm gonna look at my calendar for some open dates and i'm when we hook up on facebook i'll send you some invitations
0: you got it fantastic it would be my pleasure absolutely so take care sean make sure your dog's okay (laughs) yeah i have six little dogs that they're like children you know when children follow you wherever you go when they're little well yeah. my six dogs they're like believe it or not they're grouped and everybody who's seen my show knows that i live in a farm and i've got birds and animals so i say look if you hear the weird noises hey that's what it yeah. is i can't control it the animals but yeah they're okay they're just under me and one of them uh, but anyway thank you so much darling it, it has been wonderful take care and have a good weekend okay. god bless you we'll talk to likewise bye okay. bye so what did you think guys wasn't it a great interview Oh, Marlene, you're so easy to please. I am not only kidding, I am. I mean, it's not a question of even being easy, it's that when you have a great guest like that that talks about, you know, what I like to hear, you know, this is what happened to me as a kid, this is what happened, this is what happened to me in my life that now, um, this is where I'm at, and how I got involved in an area of the paranormal that. A lot of people shy away, if you're smart, I guess, shy away from them. They're scared of it. Even, and, and I'm not kidding. What he said, where he ends up with a lot of uh, people coming to him because they have been turned away by whoever the clergy is that serves their religion, if they belong to one, you know, um, that they come to him because they got no help. And you would think, well, um, why would. They don't everybody thinks that when somebody goes to their clergy, whether it's Catholic or like he said whatever, and they don't get no help or they get turned away by whoever they don't believe it and it's like no, that clergy is not helping because they do believe <laughs> okay the problem is that they don't they do believe and they don't want to step into the ring possibly because remember if you're a clergy and you know you serving you know or ministry or whatever and you know you're gonna have people come to you with different problems some of them are regular stuff you know some of them are serious but you no know, paranormal slant to them and you know it's inevitable that you are going to have people that come to you that I'm not, When when i say this i'm not talking insanity but that sometimes they got mental illness going on and they're functioning but their grasp on reality sometimes is not good or comes and goes or if they're aging and you know so they understand that you know what sometimes when this person comes to me with this problem and remember you know that person's perception is their reality okay but so these people when you're when you're used to working with different groups of people that come to you with different problems so let's say somebody comes to you now and tells you father or you know, pastor, anybody, or rabbi, you know, I've got something going on in my house. I'm hearing all these strange noises. Or let's 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 take it to the nth that case that he was discussing, where this woman's getting raped, and he, her husband's a witness, and he can't even interfere. Which is that's that's pretty way out there more than likely this minister whoever is has two things they could probably say okay depending of course how the person presents themselves and how coherent they are do i have somebody with a mental illness do i have somebody that's doing drugs you know which by the way that's what it is mental illness drugs is the person's attempt at self-medication You know, they don't go out there, they medicate their own way and this is what's worked for them. But bottom line, it's organic. Okay, or do I have somebody that legitimately might have something supernatural happening with them? And that number, that last possibility is the one that they're scared about and that they believe, they know it exists. They know it exists. And that's why a lot of them don't open that Pandora's box. Number one, they might theoretically know how to handle it in other words whatever religious organization they belong to has instructed them or told them this is what you do but you know how that thing one thing is in theory and another thing is in practice they might feel i'm out of my death and i think that deep down inside especially somebody that like that 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 their their daily is that religious work whatever the religion is by the way i'm not talking judeo-christian only anything there's something in you in your soul whether you recognize it or not that when you get that person that comes to you and tells you i have this going on i'm experiencing these things or i have been experiencing it for many years it's followed me and now i i, I i'm at my wit's end or now after i moved to this place whatever there's something in that person that they at some point when they're talking with that person they're discounting the mental illness or drug that they're thinking this could possibly really truly be paranormal or supernatural and dark maybe maybe not but that they will then Take the brunt of an attack. They know it, or they suspect it, or they more than likely they fear it. What he, what Sean was describing. Why? Because if indeed that person is it doesn't even have to be malevolent, it could be it could be a regular dead person that was that's dark. Just a real SOB in life and is like a major one in death. He's dark. He's dark he might have an attachment of his own caring whatever you know what that entity is going to do if it's an intelligent and we're not talking here residual. they're going to try to cut you off at the pass we don't want the calvary coming in here and saving this person and throwing holy water around or god forbid prayers or whatever incense you know if you're a Buddha. Uh let's see we can scare him out of here what how do you do that something like what sean described So all these people, all these religious people that sometimes, like he says, that they end up turning away, it's, I want to say they want to help people, but there's an instinct of self-preservation that they understand only too well and do believe that it is true. They might not come and tell the person, oh, I know perfectly well that what you're describing is probably very real. And that's why I'm turning you away because that would kind of make them look like selfish, like, hey, aren't you supposed to help me in all things? And maybe this person will say, if I'm being truthful and honest, I am willing to help you if your problem was a regular problem. If your marriage was in trouble. If your kids were doing something they weren't supposed to. If your family was in crisis. If you needed counseling, I will like... But once you start going into that area of paranormal, supernatural, possibly dark, what God knows, oh, you know what? I want to help you, but I don't I don't want to get attacked and they all know that they all fear it I've heard of some religious uh, organizations even referring people to God. Like, oh, yeah go, go to them they they know how to handle this so, so what, are we all talking about the same God if that's that's if that's what we're going with is that we're talking the Christian belief system are we isn't it the same Like Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit what happened why, why would a Catholic priest be any more powerful than, let's say, an Episcopalian? It's like, eh, I don't get it. Why? Because they all know deep down, like I said, if you deal with spiritual matters, if you traffic in the spiritual on a daily basis, you understand very, very well what the risks are. And if you don't consciously understand them, subconsciously, spiritually, you are aware of the risk or the repercussions that could come your way of interfering or helping somebody that comes to you with that sort of problem. And by this, my point being that what Sean does, that's what I'm saying. there There is no glamour in it. There isn't. And he was very forthright about describing what's happened to him when he took on his first really dark case. Okay? To the point that whatever was there okay derailed that 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 help that p- person was going to get which you know i mean because it just it just full board like poof. did you hear what he said he doesn't use that bedroom anymore that to me speaks like volumes is not enough. It's like the Encyclopedia Britannica, for those of you who still remember what that was, worth a validation. When something is over and done with, this episode is gone, but it was so horrific or so, it imprinted so much on you that, you know what, I know whatever is gone is gone, but I still don't want to go into that room because if not, I will revisit that experience. And you usually only feel that way when something is like full bore like overcomes you. Okay. So the fact that obviously it sounds like he still lives in the same house. That's like, yeah, it's there, but we're not gonna use that room no more. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. And he, he he comes up against evil and you know, and and um uh, Again, I don't. I don't want to make it sound like oh, every case is demonic, or every case is an elemental or a non-human spirit that, f- from an unknown origin. Not nah, sometimes we're talking an attachment from a human spirit, like a regular. Like sometimes it's a non-human and it's an elemental. Some of them are dark. Some of them are not so dark. There's dark ports entities. I mean, there's a whole host of things, but that's not as common as people think mostly attachments that people get or if not even an attachment let's not go there it, it, just a haunting a regular old haunting sometimes it's that person that person that's trapped dead that person that's got something going on with you some type of personal thing love hate who knows sometimes it's the land doesn't always have to be dark and dirty but like i said um and if you know sometimes people did invocations at certain locations that open a portal or a doorway like a rip in dimensions however you want i mean that's a whole nother show but again anyway guys i hope you liked the show i loved it i love speaking to sean i think he's uh he's very knowledgeable and um i think he was on the money you know when i, I want to say he's very authentic and genuine when he talks about his experiences and I love that when he says I don't know anything <laughs> it's like a thank you in this world that we live in where everybody's an expert about something it's great to say yeah I know a lot but in reality I don't know everything like mine, which is forever the student okay because there's always especially in this field by the way there's always <laughs> believe me for all we think we know okay there's a lot we don't know and even what we know is only as in what we have experienced firsthand for ourselves. That's how I learned, you know, and then, but there's always stuff that's happened that never happened to you that you're like what he said, like, oh, what, what, what? how do, what, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, which again, basics of paranormal investigators, there's no shame and retreat if you ever come to an investigation where it's just better to back out the door and go, we I, I got to talk to somebody about this, or you know, if you're the team leader, say, you know what, folks, we uh, we gotta we gotta talk outside or away from this place or whatever. No shame in that, whatsoever, whatsoever. Because, like he said, not everybody's meant to. Uh, and by this, I mean it doesn't even have to be a, a possession or or non-human entities there's some type of very dark dark hauntings of whether it was events that took place there or the human entities that are there which are very dark and malevolent and manipulative and they're human they were part they were once inhabited a human body that some teams are not equipped or experienced enough to handle and those are the ones that contrary don't like don't provoke it don't stir up you know just you back out and you say you know what this is this is, i'm in over my head and it doesn't have by this i'm saying it doesn't have to be like oh my god i think it's a devil no it could just be something really dark and uh and you do yourself and the client a favor and you say you know what we gotta re we gotta uh we're gonna go and look at this and then not there by the way that's another thing don't ever talk about those things while you're there at that location by this i don't mean as in doing the client a favor even though theoretically in time and space these entities if they wanted to could overhear what you're saying anyway but you know what sometimes you need to remove yourself out of that place and I've done it I had gone on investigations where people where everybody had gone in their separate cars and we had two or three cars and and we would go outside and people wanted to talk and I would say no 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 hey over there outside this neighborhood there's a gas station we'll meet over there and we would go over there and then we would do this really quick like hey what are your thoughts what happened? Because of course there's certain things that you can't talk or discuss about especially if the clients in the home which nine times out of ten they were and i would say no this is not the place let's go out there and we'll meet at that gas station or the parking lot of the burger king and we'll have a quick recap and we'll talk about it and then what do you think what do you think what do you think what do you think okay this 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 everybody you need to look at what evidence you gathered and then let's reconvene and let's figure out how we're going to handle this or if there's anything to handle (laughs) there's a lot of times there isn't like how do you tell this person uh we don't think there's anything there that's i want to you know what i i want to do a show about that people would think well that's not really interesting yes i think that's really interesting i would i think i'm going to try to get some guests on so we could talk about all the cases that end up being nothing and not only are they nothing you have clients that are not happy about it being nothing. Instead of saying, if I were you, I'd be jumping for joy. I just figure out that you've got a possum who's crawled in your shed or under your thing and is making all that noise. Or you've got a, a pipe or you've got uh, you know, a loose board up in your attic. That Why aren't you thinking, thank you. They're upset because you didn't find anything. Like really? You really? Then you really don't understand the concept of this thing of what of the bullet you just dodged. Anyway, guys, find me on Facebook. I'm on Facebook, Miami Ghost Chronicles, or you can find me personally on Facebook as Marlene Pardo. True believers, send me your stories of getting great ones, but I want I want to get more. Uh, Marlene at com. Again, I do live stream more on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, You know, the podcast version, you can find me on iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify, iHeartRadio. I do a podcast version of these shows. If I ever go on the field, I kind of, unless they're really, it's like not podcast worthy, but I would say 90% of the shows, you're going to find a podcast version of it out there. Okay. Uh, Again, you know, I have some terrific guests coming up yes yes there's there's um there's a lot of interesting people that are going to be on the show that i think you guys are going to love um and i think that that's again i never get tired of saying this you know what i am the first one i look at all this all the paranormal shows i look at them all all of them and i've been looking at them for years like (laughs) way back when the only thing was out there was Leonard Nimoy or you know or you know stuff like stuff like you know in search of I've seen them all This because when you're into this you're into this and of course nowadays I've seen them all I watch them all I've met a lot of the investigators myself firsthand Um but you know what I still to me the best is when I get one-on-one conversation with these investigators or whatever they is, or whether it's an author or whatever, and they tell their first hand stories that so sometimes nobody's heard about that you're never gonna see on the TV or on any of these shows because maybe they don't got the oof, you know, that the that, that producers want, but they're so subtle and so disturbing and Some things get resolved but not like in T V land where everything ends up with a nice bow on it. It's like, hey, I we did this and we tried to help this family and sometimes it works sometimes at, those those real cases to me are the most I don't know that, that that the allure of this field is in those stories that all these people in different parts of the country and, and another country you know countries outside of the United States different walks of life different backgrounds they all have very similar stories as to their experiences and that tells me that leads me to believe there's got to be something other which I know because of my own firsthand experience and by the way these people had experiences even as children teenagers long before the paranormal you know rage that we got going on where everybody sees ghosts and everybody's an investigator you know and they had these experiences and it's like wow see there is something there but again guys so thank you again so very very much for being part of my audience and spending this time with me with me you are all absolutely wonderful take care